Hey, Black African Power. What's good? What's happening? A well-organized lie. Defeats a disorganized truth every time. Ooh-wee, man, y'all already know what it is, man. It's God killer in the house, man. And look, man, we got a powerful show today. And look, man, let's just get it cracking, man. I'm a rock squad up, Magi archers in the building. Please believe. Oh shit. Nah. If you ain't Sinetta, no time for that interview, dog. I put my shit out for niggas, I don't send it to blogs. Clan kill off the Buddha, not being discreet. One puff this big pops and projectiles. Between the sheets. Sun run, cold game, bring your cleats. The best flow blow, Eskimo, penguin feet. Don't need no blunt to burn. You run the turf with ten niggas on the block. That's a punt return. Ayo, Dolomite prototype soldier with the solar light. Saber and he hold it like he hold a mic. Golden ice pendants. Sipping on that overpriced poltergeist spirits. Ripping at the open mic. Spoke the nice lyrics like Mama moved mean overnight. Golden motorbike holding on some trying shit. That nice neon kit is on it. The king's libation with exotic liqueur. Queen's vibration like a side of Shakur A lot of the poor imported foreign threads They ain't got at the store Nubian Kush and black top pottery jars 39% THC, the quality pure Old rappers try to spit ain't hot as before It's like I'm five flights above busting shots at the floor Cats switch up their style when they ain't got it no more Cause they gotta keep their product in stores to feed their kids uh, see what that weed did? Yeah, yes, man, agreeing on everything we said. I smother the mic like it's the love of my life. Don't get sliced in beat with the butt of the knife. Brother Polite, I say I'm animalistic. Cause I still be in the hood with my hand on my pistol. The Hebrews think I'm cannibalistic. E5 divination, channel the mystic. Audio visionary, let's play poetical pictionary. Picture me burning down your missionary. Yeah. Then I send you religion That red dot on your head That's Hindu tradition Invisible, independent, and transit shit I'll bring it all to an end With indivisible games Charles Xavier, getting your brain Mental anguish, a manifesting physical pain Wizard remains the dance in the chemical rain Breathe slow, then I'm up out of this physical plane Got military machinery that exercise Weaponized greenery Shine out of jeopardize the scenery, son Bruh, the beam can time your distance Inclines convention, stop rising with no trend line resistance. The parabolic breakout, I'm F16 with the aeronautic fake out. The God killer, the God killer, the God killer, the God killer, it's the God killer, the God killer, that's who it is. The God killer, the God killer, it's the God killer, the God killer, the God killer, it's the God killer, the God killer. What's good, family? Black African power. What's good? Happening? Well organized lives. Defeat the disorganized truth every time. Oh, we, yeah, y'all know what it is, family. Look, man, we're going to go ahead and get this thing in and get it real tight tonight. Uh, definitely want to have a call-in show, and we want to deal with the issue that's in front of us. Uh, how 
holidays coming up, for all those who celebrate Kwanzaa, for all those who celebrate Christmas, and for all our black Hebrews that celebrate Hanukkah, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to everybody. But um, as usual, we always find ourselves in very precarious situations, right? But first, let me go ahead and introduce uh, Powerful Squad. Brother Saw Hotel. I'm a raw up. What's good, bro? Peace and blessings to everyone uh, in the listening audience. Peace and blessings to the panel. Of course, I'm a raw squad. Uh, just here to share some information and uh, be about my business. <laughs> I yeah, you about your business. Always shaking it up with that real scholarship. Using the scientific method, I feel you, brother Wu What's good? I'm a raw squad up. I'm a raw squad up. Uh, peace uh, to you, brother Unk, and the brothers Asar Motep and the rest of the Amara squad who were probably making their appearance um, as we go through the conversation. But uh, and peace to the audience who's watching. And I'm just, you know, here to uh, hopefully we can offer a little bit more clarity to uh, you know those recent topics that's been floating around. So yeah, I'm just. Going to chime in. All right. Yeah, I want to shout out to Shaw Street, Monty, Uh Man, powerful group. Uh, appreciate y'all. Shout out to the Mossy Clan Warriors. Man, appreciate that work. Y'all already know what it is, man. Uh, Dagger Squad, Mo, Cheryl, y'all feel y'all know what it is. You know, shout out. Shout out to everybody that support the squad. And shout out to the squadron. That's all y'all to pay attention and follow us and, and put that scholarship on those people's heads. You know what I'm saying? It's always doing a little bit too much. So y'all already know what the topic is. Uh, little lady, we're going to talk about the All Max a little bit, right? But the, the leading issue is, uh, was Kemet called the Black Land or, quote unquote, land of the Black people, Black people? Right, we've been having that discussion. Our uh, discussion uh, took place uh, first back in the Cairo Symposium, 1974. Uh, so most people take the stance of the odds. Okay, um, the Amrasfar was not formed and put together to just follow Diaz or follow Dr. Ben or follow Theophile Banger. It was put together to stand on their shoulders, follow their work and try to further it and make it better because this is what makes strong communities. This is why European communities are so powerful because they figured out early on, right, that they need to have a method for figuring things out. The people's all over the place. You know, you go back to the uh, Age of Enlightenment where uh, the Rastacrucians, the Masons, quote-unquote, Illuminati, they recognized that Africa, Egypt, place the mother of all religion and all science and technology. So Isaac Newton recognized the Egyptians as being some of the most scientific people on earth. Right? So we take that from that. We take it from the Nile Valley. Huh. <laughs> There's that word, Nile Valley. But let me uh, let Wuja, right, get in here and kind of explain what the argument is. But, but what we're going to do today is, right, I don't read Metanetra. So since I do not read Metanetra, I should be able to understand what the argument is and why uh, uh, brothers and sisters say what they're saying. 
So the argument should be that clear that those who don't read Metanetic would understand basic rules of grammar to be able to understand what a place name is and why Kimmich is called this and why it wouldn't be called that. That's what we're going to tackle today. Uh, basic understanding of the topic because there are people out there that what they do is, like Wuta said, they just confuse you, right? With a whole lot of mumble jumble, mumble jumble. You know what I'm saying? And y'all know how y'all be posting on Facebook. So we ain't want to do that. All right. So go ahead, Wuta. I want you, you know, like we do, Wuta does, does a great job of repeating and explaining what the argument is and what the argument is not. Because what we found out is most times people only argue things that they think they know, even if it don't got nothing to do with the whole daggone conversation. Okay, yeah, and that's a good point. Uh, but before I, before I start, just just so you know, uh, everybody's saying you know be careful driving, and uh, you know you use your headphones. <laughs> everybody can see you driving. So yeah, um, I'm sitting back and Yeah. Oh yeah. So So um, yeah. So this is the thing. Um, what happens is. In, in a lot of um, conversations that become arguments, <clears throat> even if it's not a formal debate or anything li uh, like that, what happens is people will lean more towards talking about what they know, regardless of the topic of the conversation. So the topic may start off as one thing, but then because a person may not be well-versed or studied in that topic or issue, um, they... They will uh, uh just one second um so so I'm, a little bit I'm I'm a mute your mic and and then I oh yeah let okay. me mute the mic I got it okay <clears throat> so what normally happens <clears throat> excuse me is what normally happens is that uh you you have a topic and you have an issue and so when people jump into the topic you know there's a tendency to only discuss what the person knows regardless if it stays on the topic or not. And so what happens is people who are not well versed or studied in a topic, when they continue to talk, the topic will they'll try to pull the topic over into an, an area of where they can keep up with the conversation and not leave it on the issue where it is. And when that happens, um, what they tend to end up doing is confusing uh, a potential audience, reader or listener. Because they're adding things into the conversation that has nothing to do with it or they're mischaracterizing the issue and it does nothing uh, but confuse an audience. So it's not beneficial to do that. All right. So, yeah. So that's what I was I was mentioning before. But um, so just real quickly, I'm just, I'm just going to um, based on on that, I just want to reiterate what this issue has been all along and what it has not been. All right. So <clears throat> if you all can see my screen and hopefully you all can see my screen. And also, if you all could do me a favor and, um, you know, give me give me some kind of signal that, that you can hear us and, and see everything um, pretty clear. All right. Just type in a one if you can hear me clear and see everything. But I'm going I'm to continue to talk. So this is a slide from Asar Imhotep's um, presentation where he starts his presentation with the proper way of starting a starting a presentation you outline your your the scope of your topic you set up the parameters <clears throat> of the conversation so the issues and hypotheses um 
So he outlines that the ongoing debate since at least the 60s on the meaning of the place name Kemet. Now, I underline place name because that's very, very important. All right. I put it in red. Um, so so next, he says that there's primarily two hypotheses. Hypothesis one is that Kemet means black land. Hypothesis two is that Kemet means black people. <clears throat> now, three, both claims assume that the root of the word Kemet is the word Kim that means black in Egyptian. So at all times, this is the the subject. So this is what the issue is not and has not been. All right. So number one, does black exist as an adjective in ancient Egyptian? Okay, that's not the topic. That's not the issue. That's not in dispute. Everybody already <clears throat> agrees and knows that there is an adjective um, in the language that means black. So that's not that's not up, up for dispute. Number two, can we find cognates of the adjective black in related African languages? In other words, that particular adjective that means black in the ancient Egyptian is does does cognates of that word exist in related African languages? Again, that is not in dispute. That's not the argument at all. All right. Three, did the Egyptians use color terms to describe a person or a thing? Again, everyone knows that that's not in dispute at all. Obviously, if the adjective exists in as a color in the language, they used it <laughs> to describe uh, objects or things. OK. Um, number four, do classifiers or what's what's called determinatives, uh, do they have to be present for every attestation of a word? That's not at argument or that's not at issue at all. So now what has happened, what's been happening so far from from the very day that Asar presented this, um, people, including that day, people have been arguing these four things. So what what what's going on is that the audience who's not a direct participant in these conversations, people are getting confused because you have a group of people that are arguing these four things. When this when they're not the issue or the subject at all. At all. So let me go back just real quick. Again, the issue is to address these two hypotheses to, to, to see if they are true. One, does Kemet mean black land? Or two, does Kemet mean black people? Or three, which is not shown, is does it mean something else? And, and that's what the bullet point three is pointing to. It says both claims are assuming that the root in the word Kemet is the one that means black. So so if you were to summarize this, the 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 question is. How or why did people who uh, who um, subscribe to hypothesis one or two, why did they choose that the root of Kemet the place name Kemet, why did they choose the the meaning of black and not the other meanings? So this is where we get the assumption. There's an assumption made and we can't we can't address it uh, writing that assumption. We have to clarify that assumption first. We have to turn that assumption 
into a fact. We have to we have to tease it out. We have to figure that out. That's that's the point. All right. So so the, anyway, I just wanted to make sure that that even our conversation here is is um, along the lines of what the real issue is. And I wanted to make sure everybody understands that. So when you see people give cognate list of the adjective black from Egypt and in other African languages, they're off topic. OK, no matter who it is, no matter who does it, they're off topic. All right. When you see people um, trying to point out the fact that a bull is black or a particular woman is described as black or their hair is black or whatever the case is, that's off the topic because the adjective is known. Black, it exists. They have different colors, blue, black, yellow, red, you know, white. So that's that was never an issue. So, again, the issue is the meaning of the place name, Kemet. All right. So I, I'll, 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 you know, uh, stop there for for now for a second. And, and uh, so so um, Unc, if you want to or or Sar. Um, because now now I, I do want to say this, make this clear that so our conversation is, you know, our aim for this conversation is to use common sense, you know, you know, to kind of. Stay away from the very technical aspects of things that that may convolute the conversation because people have been off topic this entire time. So so our job is to bring it back into the topic and then also, you know, explain it in a way to where, you know. More people can understand it. All right. And and, and believe me, it's going to be some common sense things. So, you know, I, I'll end right there for now. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, I think this is a, uh, what they would call a, what do I use? This is based off of dealing with the internet. So now uh, it's easy to go off topic because uh, basically um, people don't have to, uh, you know, put their, put their conversations in writing. You know what I'm saying? So since you don't got to put your conversation in writing, <laughs> you know, things get misconstrued. Uh, thank goodness you got that book coming out. Uh, thank goodness you got that grammar book coming out. Thank goodness uh, Asar has his book coming out where these things are actually in writing. And um, actually, you'll, you'll find out that the work that Asar is doing um, is groundbreaking in that particular area. And, and see, we have become so, what I want to say, so non-creative that that it's fear. Fear comes over of us when somebody says, well, that idea that we had back then, that wasn't right based off of this. And, and, and we live in fear that some kind of way, Asar, Wuja, Sinjeti, Dr. Mayad, Sister Naya, uh, Smash Rockwell, y'all trying to take away, you know, the thing that we use to defeat white people on the subject Y'all send us all the way back. No, the truth is, we're moving the people in the community to the space age. Y'all still hanging out in the Bronze Age. That's the truth. Okay? So basically, what real scholars do, they further the work. What scientists do, they further the work. You'll hear Saul say this all the time. When you publish a paper in science, 
or in academia, the first thing that's going to happen, you're going to get attacked. Your work will get attacked. The critique, you know what I'm saying? The falsification of it. All right, trying to falsify it. It's coming. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. It actually stimulates the topic. It stimulates the argument, right? And, and it actually, it acts like nature and it, and it produces growth in said subject. That's exactly what it does. Same thing happened with Charles Darwin and natural selection. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the, the, the fact that people uh, fought over it and pushed and prodded. The same thing with the decipherment of the metanature. So these are the things that actually push our community forward. The fact that we're willing to stay stuck in the past, man, that's dangerous. And we're not willing to, 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 to explore new ideas that would help prove our case. If people kind of took their time and really listened to a saw, you would find out that the argument is so tight and it actually bodes well and it proves our case that the Nile Valley was inhabited by African people that was indigenous to that area. But y'all too busy trying to fault, y'all too busy trying to bug out. Uh, mischaracterize the argument, you know what I'm saying, going over the layman's heads that 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 you'll find out at the end of, the end of this conversation that the work actually puts us in a position to checkmate all people to try to act like that that now valley, there's that word again, now valley civilization, um, you know what I'm saying, was inhabited by indigenous people. And so we'll start off with this, and I'll ask Brother Saul, right? Brother Saul, so when we speak in terms of place names, because this is a very, very crucial point that nobody can really get by. They can't get by this, so they'll go around it. They won't get by it. They'll act like it's not there. The fact that it's a place name, what does that mean? When, 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 they, when, when the name is applied, any name, a person's name, a human being's name, once it's applied to a place, what happens, Brother Saul? Can you talk to us, please? All right, peace and blessings. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, if you don't mind, uh, for me to sidestep just a second, and I will right. come back to your question on okay. the place okay. name. Because uh, I want to address this individual by the name of Black Peaks in the in the, the chat room. Right? <laughs> yeah, so go ahead. He... he he states towards the beginning of the chat that this is a, the stupidest topic ever and a distraction. Check the motive is all I'm saying. Kemet were not, and uh, I assume he means an, A-N, uh, Afro-Asiatic culture. They were an African culture. <laughs> Again, this, this is why it's important to actually pay attention and actually respond to what people actually say. And so he goes on a little further down to say uh, 200 plus years of European eugenics and racist scholarship to debunk and these people pick Dion. Things that make you go, hmm. So we have to address silliness like this because it's clear that people have reading comprehension. And <laughs> This, this topic here is not going against Dioc and nobody picked on Dioc. And so we got to understand that this is an academic conversation and academics have a way of engaging each other. And so when there's a discrepancy in information, 
part of the process is what we call literature review. Because again, scholars actually write. There's a difference between a scholar and a YouTube reviewer and a, you know, somebody who just makes arguments on Facebook and Twitter. You know, um, this, <laughs> when we as scholars attack information or critique information or even review information, we try to go to the primary source for where certain ideas emerge on paper, right? So as Rujawu has read from my very third slide in the presentation, the first slide was just me introducing the name of the topic. The second slide was advertising for my class. The third slide is really the first slide. So my first slide in the document, uh, in the conversation was outlining sources of certain arguments. So we have two hypotheses, one which argues the black land for the meaning of the word Kemet, and the other one argues for black people. So I was giving a source for black land, which one is James P. Allen, we could go further to Gardner and some other people. And then the other one is for black people. The only person who, the person we know for a fact who originated this argument was Shekhat Diaz. So as a good scholar, you cite where these ideas originate from. So it has nothing to do that I just picked Diop randomly. Diop is the source of the hypothesis that Kemet means black uh, people in opposition to the argument that Kemet means black land. If anybody actually read his document. So, so this idea that somebody's like picking on Diop is juvenile and silly. And it's clear that somebody didn't read the text. So with that notion, this idea that this isn't connected to our liberation uh, somehow is another mischaracterization and judgment. And we'll see why that is the case later on. So now let me get back on top. Beat him up. For the record, Brother, just beat him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so wait, 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 hold, hold uh, on. Osama, Osama, before before you move forward, I, yeah, I let that let that let that be a teaching moment for everybody who's watching and listening of, of what not to do. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, y'all. Just make sure that when you chime in on a conversation, just because the keyboard is underneath your fingertips does not mean you have to type. OK, you you have to actually read what people are saying and you actually have to listen to what they're saying first before jumping in, because whoever that that person is, Black Peace, had had he or she waited, they would realize that we do not argue that the ancient Egyptians are any kind of Afro-Asiatic community whatsoever. Number one. So 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 to start off by accusing us of even going that way, that means that this person is not familiar with the Amara squad or or any of its members. So I just want to make sure that everybody take a moment and, and just realize that's what you don't do. All right. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let me get a piece. Uh, if you've been listening to the squad, uh, specifically looking at Brother Saul's work, uh, 
fights for, uh, you know, the Egyptian language start in, in Egypt. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and he erases, he eradicates the Afro-Asiatic aspect of it. And guess what? The whole damn community caught him on that too. So at the end of the day, it's a bunch of walking folly. And you're part of that folly there, bro. Black people. <laughs> You're part of that folly right there. Just, just made up a whole argument that nobody right. even said. Right. And so he, he, he says, just, just get to the part where you try to sell us that Kimmet was Afro-Asiatic, and we say we don't accept. This show, this person hasn't read none of my books, hasn't paid attention to any argument. Nobody here argues. We argue against vehemently Afro-Asiatic as a, as a language phylum. And so that's what you got to understand first and foremost that Afro-Asiatic is the label of a linguistic phylum. It is not an ethnic group or people. So, you know, let, let the people who understand this have the conversation and, and quit trying to introduce stuff that isn't part of the conversation into the conversation. So, you know, again, I'm going to get back to your topic. I'm sorry I had to, but... This is exactly what Jawu said at the beginning not to do, but you know, people just you know, uh, you know, that's that's like somebody saying the Egyptians was listening to Luther Vandross. Like, like, what does that have to do with the meaning of Kibbit? It, 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 that was the thing. Just make up stuff. <laughs> it's just silliness. I'm just it, it's 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 tiresome. So again, let me let me get back to your question, brother. Uncle. So you you said a toponym. All it is is a a a a place name. You you uh, you asked me about what a place name. It is it is exactly what the two components of the word means. It is the name of a place. That's it. And so um, I don't know how else to more simply explain that. It's just the name of a place. And so in in many languages. Uh, they have morphemes to denote that the word itself is a place name. And so, you know, we'll, we can get into that uh, 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 a little later. So, all right, um, hold on. Freeze that. Freeze that. So, Wuja, give me your take on the place name. Can, can, can it be defeated? Can, can it mean, if it's a place name, can it now have something to do with a person? Does it mean a person? How, I mean, what, what presidents... Does this does this play? What you know? What I'm saying once it's a place thing, then what? Let's uh, get that straight. Okay, so so uh, I got to go back to Asar's um, pointing out the source of the two hypotheses. Remember, one hypothesis is that Kemet means black land, and the other hypothesis is Kemet means black people. Well, the fact that Kemet and and I'm showing this back on the screen again, the fact that Kemet is a place name completely eliminates hypothesis two right from the start so so the argument on hypothesis two goes out the window and is eliminated even before you begin the conversation because it at no time does a place name refer to or describe people and people have to understand that that words are not the objects themselves like if, if I say the word elephant, the word itself is not the elephant. It's a it's a uh, nomen, which is which is Latin that means name or noun. And so it is referring to an object. 
So a place name refers to places, not people. So hypothesis two is eliminated right at the start. The moment you say place name or toponym, which is which is the geographical um, nomenclature for it, a toponym. Once you say that, it eliminates hypothesis two. And therefore, it really only leaves a discussion about hypothesis one. So so that's to answer your question. Uh, nobody can get around that. Nobody can get around that. And, and you know, we we've we've given examples. So let me just give a quick example real quick. So a lot of people are familiar or, or know or have driven on streets named after people such as Martin Luther King Boulevard, um, Malcolm X Boulevard. Those those words, Malcolm X Boulevard and Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard are referring to a street and not the man, even though it's named after a man. OK, if I say um, Mount um, Everest, uh, it's named after a person. I believe his name was Sir George Everest. Um, but when I say Mount Everest, I'm pointing to or referring to a mountain. Not a not not the man. All right. And I know Asar gave example about uh, Houston, Texas, uh, named after Sam Houston. And so. Uh, uh, when I go on the map and I and I'm going to drive to Houston or whatever, I'm not driving to the man. I'm not trying to describe the man. The, these places are located on maps and you're not going to see any any pictures of people on maps. Like when when you when you look up uh, Georgia, which is a place name, you're not gonna see a person's a person's. Uh, or I look up Mount uh, Everest. <laughs> where is Mount Everest? Any answer to the question where? The answer is gonna be a location. Like you know, so so so, Unc, you're okay. in Georgia. Go ahead. Uh, I'm Go ahead. gonna. I'm gonna. Uh... wanna chime in with something real quick so the audience can have a visual right so uh, I'm going to share my screen just to let me know uh, if everything's ready keep in mind my slow computer yeah let me know when you when you get it up so as you're getting it up i just want to make sure everyone uh has that understanding that place names are called place names because they refer to places and not people and and so in order for anybody to continue that that side of the argument they're what they're essentially saying is that they don't believe that the word Kemet is a place name. That's essentially what they're saying. But yet, if you ask them, can you get on a plane and take a trip over to uh, the Arab Republic of Egypt today that was known as Kemet, they'll say yes. So so everyone has this, should have this understanding that Kemet at all times was a place, a place name. And that's the, the argument. So is there is there a rule that would usurp that? Because we hear this complicated thing about this rule, the feminine T or the T. What what is that? Does that usurp the fact that it's always going to be a name of a place? 
Yeah, there, there's nothing that can that can usurp uh, the fact that place names are place names. That's like that's the equivalent of, of somebody trying to convince you that water is not wet. <laughs> so then why are they doing it? Is it that they just don't want? So, OK, let's do this. When I studied Nubia, right, we understand why Nubia was not a farming society or very a, a quote-unquote watered place. Uh, you go that by time you when you go past the first cataract, right? Uh, it's the reason they call it a cataract because they're, they're blockages of water, right? And it doesn't have the soft sand, you know what I'm saying, for the river to actually cut through like it did uh, up north. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, with Egyptians occupied that area, and so down in Nubia, that river came through, but it wasn't cutting through like that, and so. You know what I mean? They land wasn't watered like that. So they so they was a, a basically a herding society. Okay? And so actually, we already say it. We say the Nile Valley. But what the hell is the Nile? Does anybody know what the Nile is? It's a damn river. So so you'll hear Dr. Clark talk about these river societies. Right? If you study the Platocene, I like studying the Platocene, right? You'll find out in that particular time span, right? All the rivers, a lot of rivers were going through all these uh, 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 African countries. A lot of rivers, uh, river societies, right? These rivers were connected. Okay, right now they, they they can do a scan of Africa and find out that you know if you go back in time, you'll find out that there was a lot of rivers all over the place, right? All over the place. And Brother Saul makes a a a, 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 a excellent point when he talks about these toponyms. Right when we first UNESCO, we'll get into that later on, and how and how these toponyms, right, actually, you know, what I'm saying, help the case to prove, you know, who these Nile Valley inhabitants were, you know, where, where, where their homelands were, and how these names all apply to these watered societies. So we've been saying it all along. We say Nile Valley. It's right in front of your face. Right. Right. You know, right in front of your face. Go ahead. Go ahead. Wolf. Now I was gonna say you're right. Uh, uh, everybody will affectionately refer to it as the Nile Valley culture or the Nile Valley civilization. You even have um, uh, OKSR. Uh, you even have um, organizations that will refer to themselves as the Nile Valley uh, culture or Nile Valley civilization organization. And and so what people are saying when they say that they're saying the water civilization because yep. Nile is a a body of water a, a large river the longest river in in the world I believe and so you're saying a water uh, culture you know so um so just uh so Asar Asar has to pop out he's gonna pop right back in but um. But let me just explain this because I because I want everybody has to understand this whole toponym situation so we can move past that one. And then we can start talking about, um, you know, untangling the confusion that 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 is being uh, perpetrated. All right. So. So now what I have on the screen is. Um, a couple of words. So I have here toponyms and remember toponyms are place names. And so. Toponyms, there are different kinds of toponyms. Uh, one type is called a hydronym. Another one type, another type is called an oronym. 
Hydronym is simply place names that deal with water. And oronyms are place names that deal with mountains. So when I said earlier, Mount Everest, that will be an oronym. So when I say the Atlantic Ocean, that is a hydronym. But it's a place. You see it on the map. You can point to it on the map. Uh, the Nile River is a hydronym. Okay, so but those are types of toponyms. Kemet, or if I say uh, America, that's a that's a toponym. Jamaica, toponym. Mexico, toponym. Russia, toponym. Saudi Arabia, toponym. So those are all toponyms. Now, um, what people may be confusing is what's called an ethnonym. Ethnonym ethnonyms are words that are that are used to refer to groups of people. Notice how I said that. These are words that are used to refer to groups of people. So Give you have oh, Okay, so so we have two different two types of those. We have we have names of groups of people where the people themselves name themselves, and that's called an endonym. Mm -hmm. And then we have a group we have names where foreigners will name people. Like for example, when Europeans uh have um colonized they would they will name people uh from from them they would name the people and that would that would be called an exonym and and the way we would describe this is an exonymic ethnonym which means that it's it's a name for a group of people but it wasn't named by them like let me give it like like ethiopia That's yeah right. okay ethiopians just just say africans Africans, African? uh, right. When, 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 when we refer to everybody who live on the continent as Africans, that is an exonym. You know, we're yeah. referring to people, but you know, it, it was named, uh, not from the people themselves. All right. And you, and you'd be surprised at how many, how many names of people that, that we commonly use today that are not names that were created by the people themselves. Like Omac. Right, you, and you, 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 yeah. There's a, there's a lot, like, like Chinese, I believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you'd be surprised, but so, so that's what an ethnonym is. Ethnonym are ethnic names, names that refer to ethnic groups of people, groups of people. All right. So that's what that is. Now, um, what, what kind of even um, probably makes the the situation a little bit confusing is what's called a demonym, which I have here okay. in the middle. All right. Now, a demonym is a combination of uh, a name that refers to people and a place. So a demonym is a, is a word or a name of a people that's from the place where they reside or where they're from. And we use them all the time. So, for example, Jamaica. Jamaica, Jamaica is a toponym. But if I want to describe the people who live there, I say Jamaican. Mexico is a toponym, but I, when I describe the people or refer to the people, I say Mexicans or one person, Mexican. All right. So and we could do this for all, all the countries. India is, is a toponym. Matter of fact, here, here, here's a couple of uh, examples. We have Jamaica is a place toponym. When I want to refer to a, a person, I say Jamaican. Mexico, Mexican. America, American. Canada, Canadian. India, Indian. 
Russia, Russian. Australia, Australian. Africa, African. Now these are whole continents. Europe. Keep, keep that for me, real quick. Okay, so Europe, we say European. Asia, we say Asian. All right, but what I, what people have to understand is that when it comes to demonyms, notice that you have to take the toponym, and then you have to do something to it as a word. You have to do something to it, and in, in these examples, we have to have some kind of suffix on there that turns it into what's called a, a relational adjective. And I don't want to get too technical because that's the that's the whole point of this discussion is, is yeah. not to get technical. So 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 all people have to understand is that is that. In order to refer to the people or a person, you have to do something to the top of them. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so Jamaica becomes me, Jamaican. But go ahead. So, you know, so so this is the problem. When everybody try to go to go, go against the rule of the place name, then y'all start to realize that anybody can get it. Jamaicans, Mexicans, Americans, Canadians, Indian, Russians, Australians, Africans. Europeans, especially Europeans, anybody can get it. So y'all need to stay studied up and take your time. So the truth is, Wujai, everybody been in checkmate from the beginning of the whole thing because they tried to go against the place names. There is no getting around that. How about that? That's that's absolutely right. And that's that's what now that's what I've been saying all How about along. That? Uh, right. I've been saying that all along that that no. there never was a debate. In terms of Kemet, meaning black people. Now, um, now, <laughs> what's interesting though is that the only person, only people that would try to argue that, again, like I said, are people who don't realize that Kemet is a place name to begin with. See, because because once you realize that that's what it is, then it it shuts down or eliminates the the argument that it could refer to black people. Or refer to people at all, you know. Okay. So, so, so that's the same argument when you talk about the quote unquote. Uh, when we got into the meta the discussion, the only people that would enter into a debate is those who didn't recognize it as being a language. Am I correct in that? That's absolutely correct. The only only people who argue today that the uh, hieroglyphic writing system has not been deciphered are people who don't realize that the that the hieroglyphic writing system is an actual writing system because you you can hear it in their arguments they they'll 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 say things like um how do you put how do you put a a a sound to a letter to a picture mm -hmm. and so and when they say that they don't realize what they're saying but what they're saying is that I don't believe that it's a um it's a writing system and so and so yes yeah, so you're right so that's what we have here people don't really realize it, but they're but they're they're saying when it, when they say Kemet means black people, they're they're actually trying to say that Kemet is not a place name. Mm. Facts. That's like, so and that, they can't yeah. that it's not. And they can't. They, they, I was gonna say there's no way of getting around it. You know, like I said when I when I used the Mount Everest example, that's like somebody saying, you know, not believing that Mount Everest is a place. And therefore, and therefore, if 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 they win a trip to Mount Everest, let's, let's make it let's uh uh Cancun, Mexico. Let's make it let's make it to, to a vacation site. So if they if they never believe that Cancun or Mexico is a place name, and then they win a prize or a vacation to go to Mexico, they're never gonna go because 
they, they're not going to even believe that it's a place name. I mean, that's that's the, essentially what's going on. People who are arguing that they don't believe. They don't realize that that's what they're saying, because because these same people, they they know that Kemet is a, a place. You get you got people that take tours and go there. They they point to it on the map. They'll sh they'll show you, you know, they'll show you show it to you on the map. So they know it's a place. But it's inconsistent logic like that uh, is where they're arguing from. As if it's not a place. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, we were just holding it down until you came back. Yeah, I, I saw what y'all were on. Or at least some of my other people. But this one, I can only use Zoom on here. It just beats my resources. So, I'm going to try this again. Okay, so yeah, let me let me know. But why are you doing that? I'm, I'm, I, I hope I know people can see my screen still. I'm showing, I'm, I'm not showing a person on here. I'm, I'm showing a, a satellite image of a place. <laughs> you don't, you don't see a person uh, on here. But even still, we can, we can make a more complete argument. So along with what you were you're saying there, so let me know when you. Okay, as soon um, as I, I see it coming up, so as soon as it pops up, I'll be able to uh, share it over. Okay. Oh man, so okay, that's this. Right now, it's still it's still black though, uh, Asar. Okay. There you go. I see a blank. Um. I see your computer screen. There you go. There you go. I see page 20, page 22 or 42. Yeah. This is, and so what, I, what I'm scrolling through here is um, my 2014 response. This is, you know, uh, this, again, I've been dealing with this topic for a very, very long time. And there's another uh, forum I belong to called Egypt Search and EgyptSearch.com. And so, you know, every few years, somebody resurrects the Kemet debate, right? So there was a lot of arguments in there that it was just so off in stuff to this nation. I felt I needed to make a response. So this is my response to a conversation that started on EgyptSearch.com. This isn't my official you know, uh, response as it regards uh, this this word, uh, Kemet meaning uh, black. <laughs> so, uh, hold on. So, I'm going to increase the screen just a little bit. And so, when you're able to see it. Yeah, I'm sharing it now. Everyone can see it. Okay. Uh, let me this on the right. I don't know why it's taking up so much thing. Literally. It's the combination of Zoom and Tell me. This is why I like I prefer to just to go straight through uh, the the YouTube the understand. But anyway, so this is so I need a new computer. So uh one of them said. 
Yeah, if any, any anybody got some uh, <clears throat> high tech Apple computers trying to trying to bring everybody to the age of of Apple. Uh, send them over to the Amara squad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a it's not a heavy picture based. It was it was fine before. Um, now that you have it full screen, I think I don't know. But I guess while you're doing that, I just I just I just hope that everyone who's watching right now though, um, you know, understands why uh the toponym, the aspect of Kemet being a place name is is important to this issue, or or that that it cannot be ignored. And if you if you notice that everyone who argues ignored has has ignored it everyone who's who's argued has it has they say you're breaking the rules though they say it's a rule being broken i want to know what the hell that rule is Robert reggie talks about this rule this magical rule that all of a sudden takes us from being a place name to a name of a people well that's, that's not even rule. but that's not even that that's not even 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 the argument either on from from the the opposing side that's not even the argument because they don't they don't address the top of them at all. They 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 right. don't. They there's nothing that was presented right. um that actually addresses the fact that Kemet is a top of them. Because this is the thing. You can't do that. You can't argue you in other words, you, you can't bring up top of them and then continue to argue. You're gonna you're gonna as as Garfield uh, as as we say, uh you're gonna dagger yourself. If you if you do that, boomerang dagger yourself. Right, that's what's gonna happen. So it has to be avoided. I I think we can see it pretty good. Us are now. Okay. Um, I'm a. Can can you see the the top? Hopefully it comes out well on on the screen. Yeah, I can uh, see, I can I can see from Ballingham all the way down to uh the portion of the paragraph right there okay so what i wanted to highlight here is the fact that many languages have prefixes and suffixes to let you know that a particular word rep represents a place it's part of the grammar itself now these, these words, these suffixes or prefixes do not alter the meaning whatsoever of the word. They just let you know that this name is associated with a place. So I want to start off in English so that the layperson can understand how this happens. So these words here are names of places in Europe. Because, of course, English is a European language, of course. And we, we brought some of that. Matter of fact, we brought, not we, but the Europeans brought English with them here to the United States. And thus, we have taken on their, um, their, their, their nomenclature and, and, and methods for naming. So in Europe, you'll see these many different suffixes uh, for places, so you have Ballingham, Billingham, 
Willingham, Ellingham. And as I argue in this text is where Ham is simply a, a quote-unquote cognate for the word Kemet because it's a place. You have cat for, chat for, hot for, hot war. You can see that these are all the same name. These are dialectical variations of the same name. But with the with these different suffixes for for places. So Coldingham, Holdingham, Aldingham, Bellingdon, Willington, Hollington, Ellington, Binwick, Finwick, Anwick, Marlowe, Farlow, Harlow. All of these are dialectical variations of the same root, but have the same uh, suffix for place. We know another one of these roots as veal. And so um, in Indo-European, the suffix veal, like in Latin uh, for vila, you have Louisville, Greenville. Like I work in a place called Concordville. It signifies a town or a farm. And what I argue here that is it is is cognate with the um, the Egyptian word per, which was also used as a affix for place, not only just as a word for house, household, palace, temple, field, sports field, it was also used grammatically as um, a place. So you can understand that there are suffixes that let you know about the place whatever i don't know what these meanings are but let's let's uh, let's assume that um just for the sake of argument i don't know this to be a fact but i'm just going to say it um just just so you can get the, the point so let's assume that this word cat for the root actually means cat right like it has we understand it in in american english cat as a, a feline animal a small feline animal and then fourth, it would just simply be a place of cat. It wouldn't describe necessarily the people there. But this suffix here lets you know that it is a place. And so um, I think I've demonstrated this, you know, so if anybody has any, you know, saying questions regarding this, Many places label their place names with affixes that um, denote place. So what I want to do now is to pull up another document. This is the uh, which uh, the the methods conversation that I had. So, you know, hopefully it'll come up without incident. So we'll let it load in a second. So and just just as a reminder, um, you know, for those I'm who sorry? are no no not not for you, I'm just uh just to the audience though. Uh, okay. um, you know, one of the main reasons why we're having this discussion is so that we um want everybody to understand we wanna unpack the confusion that has occurred due to others are arguing against this uh these points um they're being they're going off topic so so the emphasis here is that we're staying within the topic and within the question it, itself 
and why these issues are important and why those who argue against them avoid them altogether. Okay, so so you know we're on a we're on the issue of of a toponym and why it's avoided. So now you you should be able to begin to see why toponym is never addressed by those who are arguing uh, for hypothesis two that Kemet means black people. They have to completely ignore the toponym issue. But uh, so go ahead. I'm just yeah, I'm just trying to find the the slide. which I had this particular discussion, because I want to show that, you know, I, I've been consistent with this. And so for people who don't know linguistics and who just don't know history, um, they, they, they start introducing a whole bunch of random arguments that had nothing to do with nothing and don't understand the process. So they was, you know, uh, the charge by Brother Reggie is that I never addressed the feminine T. And so what I what I did, I addressed the femininity and argued that it's not a femininity whatsoever. Even if the ancient Egyptians confused it and there's a way that we can prove it, because remember, one of the uh, uh, Diop's hypothesis is that it had to do with a, a femininity and that this somehow changed um, or, or, or moved the root from one state to another, for example, in an adjective to a noun, meaning blacks. So this was this was Diop's argument. And so what, I, what I'm showing, what I'm going to show is that this is not the case at all. And, and so this is the slide. So for, for those who swear to God, I, I didn't address the feminine um, This is from my slide from the presentation, which has at the top for anybody who can read English, so, yeah. hold on for one second. Is this the famous femininity, the famous rule that Asahotep never addressed and got it wrong that absolutely overthrows the place name? Is this that famous rule? I'm just slowing it down for the layman listening audience. That's all I want to know. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm showing you. Well, let me let me back up a little bit. When we have a dispute in science, we go through an, uh, uh, some initial steps to uh, eliminate bias. So this, this uh, presentation, which I have up now, was the third presentation that I did on this topic dealing with method, uh, addressing Dr. Uh, Takai Kilimanjaro. So, um, so I was showing him the, the issue of the methods. And so what everyone does is assume that the T is feminine and that the root of the meaning of Kemet is black. And so I don't want to deal with any assumptions. I want to go through the process of proving. And so in linguistics, one of the ways that we prove something is that we have to demonstrate via the regularity of sound meaning correspondences. What, what, what do I mean by that? In, in science, we try to eliminate chance as an explanation 
for the observed phenomenon because we're looking for causal relationships for the most part in science, at least in the natural science, that this causes this. Well, you know um, from previous discussions or any kind of reading of scientific literature that um, correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation, right? So that means that, you know, you can have two parallel um, phenomena that seem to be related, but it's not. It just happens by chance that these concepts look similar. So in science, we, we, we go through the scientific method to eliminate chance as an explanation for the phenomena that we are observing. So in this scientific process is what we call the historical comparative method in linguistics. So in, when we're doing this type of analysis, we're looking for a regularity, meaning that it's just not once, it's just not twice that we see something. That is three or more times that we're seeing this pattern. We're trying to establish patterns. So once we've established a pattern for something, well, we have eliminated chance as an explanation for that which we are observing. So, so this is what I'm doing here. So what I'm showing here in this slide is that there are many different types of suffix Ts in the ancient Egyptian language. And the only way you're able to really distinguish if the T is a suffix of the feminine or a suffix for the abstract or the suffix for the collective or the suffix for body parts, for example, um, or the suffix for place names. You have to do a systematic analysis and show uh, uh, correspondences between cognate words in a set. So what I did here was I picked these words to show because the, the, the Chiluba language, I'm comparing Egyptian Chikam with Chiluba, which is a Bantu language in Central Africa. I choose these two, I choose Chiluba because it cannot be argued if we find regular sound meaning correspondences between Chiluba and Egyptian, that these words were borrowed body uh, by the modern, modern Chiluba uh, did not borrow these words from the ancient Egyptians. That the only, the only explanation that is left is that these terms were inherited from their um, from a common ancestor. So remember, we're looking for causal relationships. The cause of you know these languages having the same words and the same grammatical morphemes is because they come from the same parent, for which the children of that that parent inherited it from the mother language. So I'm hoping I'm explaining this uh, well. So. I have the, the morphemes highlighted here. So in Chiluba, this chi in the word chimuma, fruit orange, 
is is cognate with the suffix t in met here an edible plant and its fruits and Egyptian, we say moot, mother. But the cognitive for it in um, Chiluba says Chimamu, Chimawu. So we know that we don't pronounce it moot as if it's M-U-T. There have vowels in between because of the vowels. So you have to learn, you have to understand a, a, a lot of things about linguistics when you come into this already. Because there's certain things that become intuitive to you the more and more you practice. So I know for a fact that this W was a labial, either a P, an M, or a B. Because when they're in between two vowels, they weaken often into the W sound. And so we see this demonstration here in Chiluba. So Chimamu. Chimawu, my mother, mom, maternal aunt. Pepet, a plant. Chipupu, foliage. Minminit, herd cattle. Chimuna, domestic animal. See, in the Egyptian uh, literature, they'll argue for this word here for herd cattle, that the T is a collective T suffix. That's not the case. This, this is a noun classifier, as I have here at the bottom. Class seven nominal prefixes in Bantu, in Chibantu. How this becomes plural is not because of the T, it's because of the reduplication. That's a grammar rule in Egyptian. They'll double the word to make it plural. So this, the, the doubling, the reduplication in this instance makes it plural. Then you have the T suffix that um, lets you know that this word belongs to this chi class, which includes animals and plants. So remember, we there's a lot we still have to learn about Egyptian, but we know a lot about Chinuba because we had the living speakers. So if you're seeing these correspondences between these two languages, you have to conclude that the t this T suffix for these words are not feminine. They belong to class seven, like in Chibantu, prefixes, noun classifiers. And so one of the other tests that I did is this word jirit, wall floor. Bua is not a cognate of the word, but it's a word in Chiluba that has the same meaning. But it but it keeps the same prefix as the suffix as you see for the word in um, Egyptian. So we're confirming on many, many levels that T, suffix T in Egyptian, corresponds to Chi in Chiluba. So now... This chi and chiluba, I also know, uh, it, it is also used in place names or for places that, uh, or, or to denote a place, a space. Because the chi, besides uh, being a class prefix for um, 
uh, class seven. It is also a prefix for the abstract and the abstracts also doubles for place. So this is why in this next slide, you see this word, you see words for like Chiminga, city, town, urban center, Chipapu, flat surface, region, Chikulu, Jikolo, site of abandoned village, Chilamba, bridge, Chikumba, stable fence, Chidwaya, tomb, grave. The correspondence for Chi for place names and for places in Chiluba language corresponds to Ki in Kiswahili. So notice something here. I, I, I want to point this out. I didn't point this out in the original uh, 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 debate that Dedernev and I was having, that she for place names and the abstract is a homonym for chi, meaning language in um, Chiluba. So when we say Chiluba here, we're saying the language of Luba. So I'm saying in the Chiluba language, the language in language Luba. But this chi is totally different from this chi. Chiminga for town, city, urban. It's the same here when we talk about Ki Swahili. Ki Swahili is the language of Swahili. It, this Ki is not the same as Ki Gigi, the Ki and Ki Gigi for village. So we can see that these two related Bantu languages have the same homonym and homograph for these two different prefixes that have different functions in the language. You have that same feature in the ancient Egyptian language. So now, when we're doing these correspondences, we always like to have at minimum three. Three witnesses demonstrate that, you know what, from different languages demonstrate that this is not a coincidence. So I dealt with ancient Egyptian. I dealt with Shiluba. Now I'm going to go into the Sumerian language. Sumerian was contemporary with ancient Egyptian, but is considered a language isolate all the way over there in, in present-day Iraq. So we can't argue if we see the same features in uh, Sumerian and Egyptian that they were borrowed from one another. They're, 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 they're very distant, and I don't think they interacted much at all, if anything, in ancient times. I think later on, when the Egyptians started uh, going deeper and deeper as the policy in the New Kingdom into the Middle East, you start to get records of these people. But by this time, they are fully uh, conquered by the Semites, the Akkadians. So those are even the original Sumerians who the Egyptians were interacting with in the New Kingdom. But, so with that said, just like how we see Chi in place names and stuff to this nature in Chinuba, 
you see in the uh, Egyptian language, words having to deal with place are suffixed by T. So jet, place, domicile, mid, city, town, or some, you know, because there's actually a debate on how you actually write, you know, mits or nuits, uh, city, town in Egyptian. But in the War to Bush, they have it uh, uh, like this. Uh, in the modern War to Bush, uh, Herman Grappel. So city, town. But it's suffixed by T. Sinjet, Achaia House, sacred precinct. Yahweh, house, sanctuary, quarter of a town. Whip, wit, household. We're shirt, watch house. Huit, larger house, estate, administrative unit, temple. Chahit, house. Shemit, stable, storehouse. So you see, and I, and I have this highlighted for a reason, this, this red suffix T. So you're seeing that for places, just like how we see over here in Chiluba, it's, it's, uh, they have this suffix T in Egyptian, but it's prefix Chi in Chiluba. So in Sumerian, they also have a prefix of place. And we have established, there's many publications that have established the relationship between Bantu and the Sumerian language, going all the way to the 1930s. And this helps to reaffirm this. And so the key in key Swahili is the same key that you find in Sumerian. And so it's used as a place for, remember that key and chi are prefixes in Bantu for place, for places, place names, and the abstract. So and it, it operates the same way in the Sumerian language. So kiduru, a disease. And to prove that this is the key for abstract and not, and not to think of it as a place name, in Chiluba, they also, just like Egyptian, have a prefix bu, right? That is for place names and abstract. And so in Chiluba, they have a word vila, it's a verb to be six, suffering. This noun class prefix, boo, for places and abstract, once added to this root, now the word becomes disease, sickness, affection. So we see we come from verb to noun. So I hope y'all can see this. So we're saying that the same psychological process is, is, is for the same word, excuse me, for the same type of word, in Sumerian, it also happens in Bantu using this Egyptian, excuse me, uh, the Chiluba word here. Even though these are different words, Duru and Bila are different words, excuse me, different pronunciations for underlying a word that means the same as far as the disease is concerned. So just wanted to show you that there. So Kidur, a stool from the word Dur to sit. So we see the same type of process. So, but Kiburu, harvest area. Keep in mind area. Kibala, rebel land. Kigiri, road path. This word giri means foot. And so with, the, with this in abstract form, it means a road or a path. Kikid, matted place. 
Kima Grave, a cultic place. Kikur entrance is another variation of the word giri, meaning uh, foot. Asal. Uh-huh. Freeze that real quick, yo. Let me do this real fast, yo. Hold on. Oh, you, since you say your screen, I can't show the shoes. Is that how that work? Wuja. Uh yeah, if he's still sharing, you uh it's gonna show his. It's still showing his. Yeah, right hold now. on for a minute. Let's take a commercial break. Take a commercial break. Brought to you by Negas and Abs you wear. Right here. This broadcast right here is brought to you. Let me show y'all the shoes. All right. Can y'all see the warehouse? I'm at the Negas warehouse. Uh y'all can see that, right? Let me see. I can turn the camera another way, right? Real quick. There you go. All right, y'all can see everything. Yeah. Bam, where the Tim's at? Hold on. Tim Boom. Bang the warehouse. Lining them up for y'all. There you go. Thought I should be able to turn my dang on camera. Wait up, wait, that's a little crazy, yo. Y'all can see that, right? All right, all right, here we go. Yo, Baltimore, I know y'all in the house, right? Colder areas, here you go. All right, all right, here you go. We got the African running shoe, both African running shoe. All right, then we got the Nats, Nat Tennis. All right, they're here. I think more importantly is just the value of black liberation. See, we talking about black liberation, period, across the board. And so black liberation take money. The scholarship take money. Thank goodness for Bubba Tariq that puts me in the position, you know what I'm saying, to even have time, you know what I mean, for the daggone scholarship. Because without no money, how they said, money talk and bullshit walk, yo. All right? When it time to ferry slippers. All right? Y'all can see all that, right, for the Queen of Zingas. Right, so so all the shoes have have names on them, right? They deal with important to African people, all right. And so, like I say, the brand, the the, the dang on brand is built in, has built in consciousness, all right. It's not hard. And but look at all these, look at all these shoes. This warehouse right here, man. Look, this is African accomplishment right here, y'all. Yeah, it's the big daddy right here, the niggas warehouse, all right. You know, I got the little warehouse, but it is what it is. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? When I got to stock up, you know what I'm saying? I got to come here. All right? Brother Tariq, appreciate you, bro. You've been there from day one. You see you? See yourself in that? Man, shout Thanks out to the people. Support. Shout out to the people, man. Peace to the gods and the earth. All right. Peace. There you go. We need you. All right. So, okay. All right, man. We can get back to teaching. All right, we had to take that commercial break brought to you by Niggas. All right, all right, abs you way. Okay, all right, y'all know what it is, man. Hey, peace out. All right, go ahead, Asaf. No doubt. All right, appreciate y'all. Commercial break brought to you by uh, Abju Wear. Now back to your regular scheduled program. <laughs> Next time we do that, I'm gonna do the uh, uh, the.
the scrambles, the soul train scrambles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got the box on here? Yeah. You got the future mic now. All okay. right. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and I want to address uh, a comment that I've seen in the, in the chat room by Brother Reggie. He's, he claims that we haven't dealt with the feminine royalty till now. This is from my original presentation. How, how did I not deal with the feminine tea when I have it on my slides? Anybody who could go back to the original uh, conversation will see this. And so this is what I mean by people not having a background and stuff don't recognize when certain things are being addressed. Hold up, one, one second, Asar. I want to make that point clear. Can't, can't emphasize it enough. Uh, a lot of times people will claim things uh, that you either do didn't do or whatever the case is only because they don't actually realize that it's being done and that only comes from their lack of knowledge of a particular subject so the fact that people are accusing you of not dealing with the issue of a feminine t when you actually did just confirms the fact that they don't even recognize when you when you actually did it and as you're showing it right now which is which is which makes it even worse because you're actually showing your slides that you had from the uh, original conversation and even what you're saying right now you're actually saying it so for people to still so for people to still say it it's really mind-boggling at, at this point and see this and uh, but this is what i mean by people are trying to confuse the audience like any audience whether it's this audience now or during a conversation, during a debate, during whatever the case is, people will try to confuse the audience intentionally or not intentionally, but that's the result. And, it, and, it, and whether it's intentional or not, it's always based on a lack of knowledge and not a place of knowledge. And so, you know, I just think that needs to be really, really emphasized, really emphasized. But when you're done, I, I'm, I, you know, it depends on what you cover. I'm going to uh, address this, um, that feminine uh, T and uh, concordance. Okay, so um, as I stated, these these are my original slides, and so you anybody who wants to verify, just go to the first video, and you will see these exact same slides in the video. So I did not change. So if there's a misspelling or something, the same misspelling from the first slide is going to be in this one, because that's all it is. This is my slides from the um, from the debate. So what I'm showing here is in Sumerian, the key uh, for places. And, you know, e good Oxbarn, you know, whatnot. So you can do another test. So we've already established that chi corresponds to T, suffix T in Egyptian for places and for, uh, for the abstract. And so now I can uh, compare Chiluba and Sumerian for the same types of words. So we're not arguing that these words are necessarily cognates to roots. We're arguing for the grammar, the grammatical morphemes are cognate. So you see in Sumerian the word iri uh, for city or town. In, in one instance, you had ki iri, um, but even this e here is really key that has been reduced to e as we see here in Iduru village. It's the loss of K, Iria, wasteland, loss of K here. And so in, in Kisiga, fence, Kishur, 
defense limit. Same, not the same words, not cognates, but the same grammatical feature in Chiluba for the same uh, uh, underlying word, meaning stable or fence. So Chikumbi, Chidwaya, Tum, Grave. Their word for grave has this key in front of it too. So this is undeniable evidence that these um, words are uh, that this feature is is exists in all three languages in Egyptian, Chiluba, and Sumerian. So this is how we would prove this in linguistics, and so this helps to demonstrate that it is not a feminine T. It's just a word for place. So when you're saying Kim et, you're saying the place of Kim. That's it, and so. Um, Hold further, on. hold on the song. Sorry, hold on. So you said they was basically trying to say it was saying what now? This, this, so we're just dealing with the morphine. We haven't even gotten into what the word Kim means. We're I just dealing it. with the T. Right. So they, was, so they was trying to say what? Did it say what? That. So this is why the reason why we start with the place name is because Kimmet is a place. Facts. In a place name. So that's why you start with that question. Well, the first question you ask is, did the ancient Egyptian language have any type of grammatical morphine that denoted places? Right. Right? Facts. So you look at all of the place names and you look for patterns. So, I, you know, you notice that a good number of place names in Egyptian either end in T or end in W. So we go to related languages to see if they have a comparable grammatical morphine for their place names. So that's what we just did. And so I want to show people, and you know, I always provide my sources. You can just go to the University of Pennsylvania uh, website for the, this is the standard and the biggest dictionary for Sumerian. And you can put in the word key. And it's going to give you this place, ground, earth, land, toward, underworld, land, country, lower, down below. That's what the word key means. It is a reduction of the word cur or cur, underworld, land, country, mountains, east, east, wind. It's the same in Egyptian for T, suffix of place. It's a reduction of the word ter. As in territory. When you say territory, terrestrial, mm -hmm. that's that's uh, cognate with the word ter in Egyptian. We say ta. Like when you say ta Mary, it's not ta. It's ter. Ter Mary. Ter so, Mary. All right. So hold on. Hold on. So we recognize that it is a place name. Am I correct? Yes. That's Anybody denying that at this point is just... And, and I don't want to insult people's intelligence. It's just right, stupid. Right. It's the name of a place. <laughs> so hold on. There's hold no on. arguing around that. So so they was basically trying to say, based off the femininity, that it really wasn't a place name, although it was placed on a daggone uh, uh, area land. Is that what they really was trying to say? That it wasn't a place name, but it was placed on the name on the land. So you, uh, are you telling me that's what they was really trying to say, Assam? I don't know what. Like Reggie and them are trying to argue. I know no, you get my point though. Think about it. Yeah. If you play the feminine T rule, so you're really trying to say it's really not a place name. 
But although yeah. the name was, no matter what they say, the name, even if it wasn't a place name, it was placed on the daggone land. How about that? So either way you look at it, they're just wrong. That's just my point. That's my basic way of seeing it from a common sense way of seeing it. You, you get my point? Like, no matter what, no matter what, it's still placed on the place. That's the point I'm making, Asal. Yeah, and, and the point I'm I'm making is that the ancient Egyptians. So I'm trying to what I'm trying to show you is that you can prove it is a place name without any knowledge of the um, the classifiers or the determinatives. Right. Yeah. If you didn't have the classifiers or the determinatives, you can still demonstrate that it's a toponym by the grammar, the way the 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 the, the derivation the der the derivation process. Given as a result of the morphine, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, but so, we're in nursery school. You you took them to you actually took them to uh, first grade. We in nursery school. People I understand. So I'm, I'm trying to bring the people up to a level that they Absolutely. can start understanding Absolutely. these things. So I'm, I'm trying to tell you what 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 us as professionals right. do, you know, when trying to eliminate other arguments. So if, if so, for those who who argue that, you know, um, about the not needing, you know, saying the uh, the determinatives to make this this argument. One, I say you're incorrect, but two, this is how you do it. So notice that none of them, none of them who ever tried to compare the uh, the the ancient Egyptian words with any other words ever dealt with the T. Hmm. None of them. Because they can't. Diop couldn't do it because Diop doesn't, excuse me, not Diop, Wolof doesn't have the grammatical feature for place names. Mm. Okay. okay. So Diop, never, Diop could never do that with Wolof because it doesn't exist in Wolof. Okay. okay. Like I can't use Yoruba in that same place. Mm -hmm. Actually, I can. So, like when you say Ileife, Ile is a word, it is cognate with this word, Erie, city town. So when you say Ife, mm -hmm. Ife is the root. It really means to expand. Mm -hmm. But when you put Ile Ife, it's the place of Ife. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So, okay. So, I mean, I think that's a, a very, very important uh, breakthrough moment. And you're, show, you're actually showing them the level. Really, you're showing them what professionals do. We're not talking about the YouTube scholars, right? You know, I know we ushered in the era of YouTube scholarship. We're talking about the professionals. You know what I'm saying? The people that really do this, right? That we're really in competition with. You feel me? And, and I, this, this is very, very important to get that. So everybody, up the game. You don't got to read the Metanesha, right? It's just some things you need to understand. Basic grammar, right? And just pay attention. If you're trying to debate, you know what I'm saying? Instead of just listening, yo, it's just bananas. And that's our problem. We will debate instead of learning first, then, then debate. That's the problem. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's pathetic that, you know, people won't take the time to, to understand. They think that, um, that even if you are able to read glyphs, reading glyphs does not lay upon you by osmosis linguistic competence. So just because I can read English words doesn't mean 
I know about English linguistics, the linguistics of English. Because we we don't we don't we don't learn English that way. And we'll hold a pause right there. Pause right there. That's a very, very good important important point because one uh excusable argument as a pushback is that people will say, Well, I know someone from such and such place, and they say X, Y, and Z. And that's the equivalent of somebody from a foreign country saying the same thing about American. Uh, just because they know an American who speaks English doesn't mean that by default we are masters or competent or proficient in English linguistics, the grammatical structure and the ins and out of English, although we speak it. And we and we prove it every day, all day, because if anybody who's, who understands um, language acquisition in terms of your mother tongue and then your second second or more language acquisition. If you do a study on that, a lot of a lot of the things that we learn about our mother tongue is 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 um, uh, what do you call it? It's um, brought about through a natural process. We don't even know how to describe it, but we do it through observation and learning it and living it within the environment but it doesn't mean that we can explain it or even know the ins and outs of it and it may sound counterintuitive or weird but that's just uh it and and we could prove it right now or later if we have time uh you know i could just ask anybody on in the audience to give me the definition of a word and then Y'all going to crack open your dictionaries and then you're going to read a di di dictionary definition of a word. But then I can ask you a set of follow up questions that will prove convincingly that you really don't know what a word actually is. You know, it's a it's a it's an elusive uh, uh, concept. But still, I just want to make sure everybody understands that because I, I see people like, well, you know, I got my Facebook friend from such and such place. And they say. And, and so they default to that. And we, we just got to be careful of that. So I, I just want to go through this next step um, uh, fairly quickly because I, I have to go soon. Um, so after we've established scientifically what the T is in um, the place name for Kemet, now we can go into what the root possibly is. And so before we can establish and confirm what the root is, we use the same languages that we use to establish the grammatical morpheme, um, the, the correspondences between the grammatical morpheme, and see if we find a, a, a similar pattern with the root. So um, I use the same languages, Sumerian, Shikam, or Egyptian, and Chiluba. So you'll see that I'm a used as the base language Egyptian. So we're, we're just looking at correspondences for the KM sequence, because that's the, the, the underlying word in which we're trying to um, argue. Uh, we're trying to find a meaning for it. So Kim, the word for prophet, corresponds to Sumerian done prophet. And I have highlighted here the consonants that correspond. So in these words, in the initial position in consonant one, Sumerian D corresponds to uh, Egyptian K and corresponds to Chiluba K in the first consonant position. The second consonant position, N, 
corresponds to M and, uh, and for this word, S. In the second word for coal, do, this Kim pile of burning coals is actually a ghost entry. And so uh, it's being debated if it even exists in the language. And so, um, so Jikala corresponds to coal and Makala charcoal and from Chiluba. So it's the same correspondence, D, K, and then B over here and then L. And so uh, uh, a word of, see, and you have to know the languages intimately. And so in the Sumerian, B's and M's interchange. The same thing happens in uh, Egyptian. And the same thing happens in Chiluba. And so what happens is B's and M's interchange, but also M's and N. And so M will correspond with N, and then N will correspond with L or R. And so you'll find all of these corresponding with each other, excuse me, in the language. But they all correspond with M in the second position in um, Egyptian. And then we see the same thing over here in, um, in, in Chiluba. It has that same kind of diversification that you see in Sumeria. So it's a, also there's another correspondence, and that is uh, D with T, which makes perfect sense. Because K, when palatalized, can become T. And so T is the voiceless variant of D. And so what this helps to prove to us is that K became T and um, the sound split in, um, in Sumerian. So they have T and D. And they also are allophones of each other. They'll also interchange. So but they both come from K which is retained in Egyptian and Chiluba. So, of course, we'll find the same type of correspondences with KM in Egyptian, now with TR or TL in, in Sumerian. And, and the T can become S, uh, as we see here in, in Chiluba. But for the most part, they're all Ks. And then Ls, Ms, and Nd, or Nd, all what we call uh, uh, home organic sounds. So uh, this till to end, kim to end, inkun in finish, till to be old, long lasting, sakim to grow old, to be wise, kulu, ancient, old, elder, primordial, um, very old. And there's a word kola I should have put here, uh, meaning to grow old, you know. Uh, till to be completed, kim, kumba to be completed, till cry, clamor, kim, complain, kala to shout, screaming as someone does um and so i said that m and n also corresponds to egyptian you see this here call complaint kim and then kenny so this is this is a pattern here we've have we've established the so-called sound laws so now after we've done this step you have to do this step first we have to ask well in sumerian for example what word in the language has both the same grammatical morphine in the language uh, that corresponds with T, the suffix T in Egyptian for place name, 
and the abstract and has the same, has a corresponding uh, consonant sequence that we matched up here. So what we're saying here is that KM is going to correspond to either TRTL or DRDL in the language. So when I show this slide again, after I've already proven this, this these are some of the correspondences that we established. DK, D, Sumerian D, uh, Egyptian K, and, and Chiluba K. Sumerian R, Egyptian M, same thing with L and M. So of course these are allophones of each other. So of course they will correspond to the same thing in um, Egyptian. So whatever word is cognate with Kemet, it would have it would either have to have a TL corresponding sequence or TR or a DL or DR correspondence. So the extra added argument was okay, so now we have to include the classifier in Egyptian. So the dominant forms of Kemet has this N36 canal water glyph, uh, N23, the irrigated land glyph, and the O49, which is another form of the irrigated land glyph, dealing with water. So all of them have to deal with wetness and water. So what word in Sumerian equals this um, uh, word Kemet in Egyptian. That is this word kiduru. And the root of it means damp ground, irrigable land. This corresponds with this hieroglyph here, which means irrigatable land. So this is what we see, the irrigated land glyph, Kemet. It corresponds to kiduru. And so the root of kiduru comes from this word here, duru, to be soft, to be wet irrigated, damp, fresh. So this informs us that the root chem has to deal with wet, irrigated, damp, and fresh. Uh, hold and on so, one minute. Hold so on. we did the same. Freeze, 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 uh -huh. freeze. We, we've came to a very, very, uh, I call it a crucible. You know what I'm saying? A crucible is the coming together of ideas. Let me add this idea in with what you just said. And I spoke of it earlier. Everybody and their mother that think they know Kimmy. And they got it from John Henry Clark. He called the Great River Societies. Now, I like to ask you and Wuja, is the Nile a river or what? Yes or no? Simple yes or no will do. Yes or no? Most definitely. The Nile is a river. River. Now, in rivers, is it water? No, it's diamonds. <laughs> no, it, of course, it's water. <laughs> water, right? Right. Right. So when Brother Saw gives the meaning of it, what's the meaning, Brother Saw? Let's hear that again, please, sir. It's just damp ground, irrigable land. Now, rivers, water, irrigable land, how is that not making sense? Because now, but look, but look. not getting that? Now, now you have what I see in the chat room, and, and now they're trying to argue this. So now that they can't get around my argument, so now what they're trying to say is, well, the water turns the soil darker, 
So now they still correspond. They just can't let go that Kimmy doesn't hold on, black. hold on for a minute. Watch <laughs> this. We got them. So how many seasons is it in Kimmy, Fuja? How many seasons are there, brother? Oh man. So let's let's deal with that. Let's uh, deal with that. So there are three seasons in Kemet uh -huh. that consist of four months each. Uh huh. So it's twelve months in total for a year, and they're uh, four months per season. So it's three seasons. So, okay. so when people say that uh, the water, the flooding of the water, turns the soil fertile or whatnot, the flooding, which is called aket in the language, only happens for one season. So no matter what season they choose that the that the result of that flooding takes place in, which will be the next season, Poret, it only lasts for one third of the year. Facts. And not all so and not all of the kingdom was this uh wet area that they are associating with it being dark or black. Just so, the areas near the Dagon River. And it's not the water that's dark, it's the soot in the Dagon water. Because it was the soot that kind of clogged up the delta. But see, this is the thing to see. So remember, tonight we're trying to we're trying to keep it in common sense. Yeah, we're gonna keep um, it in common sense. Right. So so the the problem people are having is that if you have on if you have on a uh, a yellow shirt that's dry, and then your yellow shirt gets wet, it's gonna be a darker yellow. If you have on a blue shirt that's dry. It's gonna be it's gonna be one shade of blue while it's dry, and then yep. when it gets wet, it's gonna be a darker shade of blue. Uh, anybody who washes clothes uh, will will bear witness to this. When your clothes are dry, they have a certain color to them, and when they're wet, you pull them out. They have a they all look darker than they are. So so now so the question becomes, and this is where the the the, the classifiers or determinatives come into play. Um, first of all, it was it was wrongly claimed that the word uh, describes or qualifies the, the determinative when it's the other way around. All right. That's number one. So the determinatives or classifiers help to determine the lexical root or the root meaning of the word. So the focus on the toponym for Kemet is wetness and not color. Wetness and not color, because we know that the uh, I don't know Asar if you have if you have it, I know you do have it in one of your slides, where where the word the toponym Kemet is determined by the the irrigation water channel. So, so, and 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 notice, see, I, I what I want to do, I, people, yeah, there it is, right there. So so Asar has on his screen the the last glyph in that top word is the irrigated water channel and the last glyph on the second word is also uh, a water canal so you got a channel as they say and a canal so so the focus remember determinatives or classifiers help shape the focus or the lexical uh, what we call the lexical root or lexical morpheme of the word it shapes the meaning so the focus is on water not color and so people, so what happens, and people have to realize this, just pay attention to everybody who argues against this. They will have to, first of all, they skip over top of them. They, 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 they totally ignore top of them. Like, like they, like they, like, like they're, uh, what Neo in the, in the matrix and just dodging that <laughs> one. Right. 
But then when it comes even to this question, they they try to diminish the importance of the of the determinatives. Notice notice that all the arguments they try to diminish it. They say, oh well, determinatives are not important. It don't matter and stuff like that. So I want everybody to, to peep that. I want everybody to notice that that the scribes for over three thousand years they felt it was it was important enough to include them, <laughs> but all of a sudden all of a yeah, it's not important to you, but to yeah. the ancient Egyptians, it was. Yeah, for 3,000 years, they used determinatives, but all of a sudden, in 2018, determinatives are not important. They don't matter. Yeah, like, <laughs> they, they don't matter. It's just, it's just being lazy, and they just don't want to give up. They think that the, the blackness of ancient Egypt rests on the name Kimmy. And that's oh. not how this is. Yes. That's, that's, what, that's what the problem is. They think yes. that take away Kemet, the meaning of Kemet meaning black, that you take away their evidence for the blackness of Kemet. It, the evidence of the blackness of Kemet does not rest on the meaning of Kemet. You know, um, and, and so it never, it never has and it never will. But as I, I, I've shown before, this actually proves the African origin of the Egyptians, what I've demonstrated here. Because this name, Kemet, is all over Africa as a place name, but you don't find this in Arabia. And sure. so this tells you that this nor Asia, naming practice, or Not. just Asia in general. Yep. And so it's telling you that the Egyptians followed their cousins and ancestors in naming places. That's what these 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 things mean. Remember what I said beforehand in science. We're looking for causal relationships. The reason why, for example, you see in Egyptian suffix T, in Sumerian suffix key, and Chiluba prefix, uh, and I said suffix, but uh, I meant prefix key, and Chiluba key, is because all of these are inherited from the same mother um, language and culture that gave birth to all three of these languages. So all of these forms, these roots, Kemet, I mean, this root Kim, Duru, and Kanda, and Chiluba, Sumerian, and Middle Egyptian, are all the inheritance. The reason why they correspond is because there's a causal relationship. The cause being, these being uh, derivative languages dialects of the mother tongue that's why these three correspond this way and so you know the problem is with the lay person is they they don't understand science and because they don't understand science and that science is something that you do you know people personify science as if it is a thing or a person that makes decisions. Scientists is something that human beings, excuse me, science is something that human beings do to discover or to bring about knowledge with the emphasis of eliminating chance and bias from their analysis. They're trying to eliminate error in their analysis. So there's, there, it's more refined than if a lay person try to you know uh discover something because they don't care about bias they don't care about eliminating error in their analysis 
That's why so, a scientist is more 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 rigorous than a layperson. So, Saul, I, I, uh -huh. um, I get exactly where you're coming from. Uh, the demonstration and the methods clearly shows you have separated yourself using the method, the scientific method, right, as a scientist, to actually break down that. And I think it's a point, remember I said it was a crucible? So the idea of, you know what I'm saying, of irrigated land, the fact that it's actually a river society, the fact that the beginning of the Nile comes, it goes all the way down to Lake Victoria, in Africa, Uganda, right? The fact that Dr. Ben talked about the stool or, or the actual institution of, uh, quote unquote, the second society, you know, he said they don't even go to Kimber, they go to Uganda, because that's the real goddamn Egypt, right there in Uganda. He talked to these things, right? When you come to UNESCO, I said this earlier, uh, 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 you have a slide there, you can find it, where the European actually talks about the place name. You know what I'm saying? And, and actually how these place names is all now, you read the daggone thing. Like, it's flying over people's heads. And I get it, because the layman wouldn't understand that. So the layman has to take his time, right, and listen to shows like this and just rewind it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Asar could have stopped that is a is a place name, but he but he showed you why it's a place name, how it's a place name, can be nothing else but a place name. Wu John said, wait a minute, it's a place name because they use it as a place name. Like, like it's also the fact that they're arguing, you said it earlier, two days ago, we're really dealing with the creationists against evolution. It's that conversation again. We're really dealing with people who have made Diops Jesus Christ. The sacred Catholic can never have anything incomplete, that everything he's touched is complete and is finished. And y'all better not add on to it because that's the sacred cow Diops. Y'all really crippling us to the point where we can no longer learn because we have learned everything there is to learn. Diops won everything and that's it. Dr. Ben knows everything that's it. So we'll just read their books and stop there. I learned a long time ago from you, Saul. you was like, wait a minute. Uh, um, Dr. Ben's book's all that's good, but it's a lot way more heavier work than that. The books were heavy for our community. I get it, when you was coming into consciousness. But there's levels to this shit like we like to say all the time. Levels to it. So we're not insulting anyone's intelligence. We're simply saying, stop being the walking shenanigans. If you don't know, you don't know, and it's okay. Sit back, right, and learn. That's why we was created. Asar's not writing a 600-page daggone book because he's trying to be a show-off and defeat Diops. Wuja's not writing an uh, Egyptian grammar book because he's being a show-off. He didn't write the uh, uh, um, the guide, you know what I'm saying, learn the meta nature, you know what I'm saying, the beginner's guide the meta nature, he didn't write that because he's trying to be funny and showing off. You know what I'm saying? They didn't think, you know, Shashu Mani Meta Nature, they didn't write uh, 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 the Meta Nature, you know what I'm saying, decipherment book because they was being funny. They did it because they was walking in the footsteps of the giants. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, I didn't take the time to offer the book I wrote just because I wanted to show how slick I could be. I did it so that we can leave materials 
and I learned this from a song. God damn, huh? Leave something for the next generation. That's why they doing it. And y'all throw tomatoes at us. But that's okay, we're not mad at you. Because we're asleep and we're waking us up. You know how it is when you wake up? Man, you don't want nobody to bother you. I get it, man. Y'all not going to get around this. Y'all not going to get around evolution. Y'all not going to get around the excitement. Y'all not going to get around uh, Kemet not being black. You know what I'm saying? Y'all not going to get around that. Because guess what? It's in writing. That's why you're not going to get around it. And it's forever. So figure out what side of history you want to be on. Those who just talk shit on YouTube or those who publish works so that the next generation can challenge those works and add to it. This is why we're here. There's a new protocol. We will no longer be arguing with just anybody. It takes up too much time. People are dealing with trickumship, foolumship, hollership, and downright ridiculousship, putting it up against scientific method. Man, we taking the time out of our busy lives because we love the people. Do you know how hard it is to write a damn book? And for people to overturn that book with a YouTube video or Facebook post and think they did something? Come on, man. This is not why we're here, man. We're here to learn, right? And for that gentleman, Black P, talking about revolution, ain't nothing more revolutionary than having a damn truth, bro. Oh, can I, can, I, can I, can yes. I say something real quick? Yeah. Just real quick. Yeah. And, and after this, I got to go. So uh, I just want to highlight that you know, you 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 take this information, and and you 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 move it beyond simply academic. And so, again, Diop has a work called Black Africa, at least in English. Black Africa: The Economic and Cultural Basis for a Federated State. And in this, he's talking about you know a United States of Africa and creating a single culture and utilizing a single language so that Africa can redeem itself and be able to defend itself and sustain itself against foreign powers. And part of that discussion, like when he when he's on page uh, 38, he's talking about hydraulic energy. And, you know, understanding Kemet in terms of agriculture in using the power of the river to sustain their society. You understand this from scientific terms. So you're dealing with agriculture on one part. Now you can utilize that same spirit and energy in the creation of actual energy. So anybody who's been to Africa knows that in certain parts, um, energy is not consistent. Like when you go to Nigeria and, and, and Ghana and certain places, Big places have to use generators, you know what I'm saying, for energy. And so one of the things that Diop was talking about was using the rivers to create energy. And so along the Nile, along the Zaire River, along the Niger River, and and, and your societies and stuff around that. So it, it allows you to have a different type of conversation. If you just say Kemet means black people, the conversation ends there. Because that's like a, yeah, we know that, and. But now you're talking about sustaining, you know, saying a society, a modern society. What is the thing that you have to uh, have in order to do that? Water. 
water. It is the basis of your society. Without a large supply of, of drinking water, you can't grow crops. You can't drink. Your people can't survive. So this is an issue of nation building. And so what they're trying to say to ancient Egyptians is that this is so important to us that we're going to name the society after it. That's the value of how important the river is to us in the floodplains. And so I wanted to say highlight this aspect as well. So you you one of the ones who, who, who use the language that we need to get away from um, uh, those who are still in the Stone Age and, yep. and we in the Space Age now. And so this is where Diop was trying to get us. And so on page 86, first and foremost, he talks about the, the first sentence in, in this uh, in this text, he says, basic research will always remain essentially a university concern. Meaning the people that's going to actually do research are scholars on a university level. And so the what I'm trying to do is bridge this gap. The problem is, is that a lot of people on YouTube know me from YouTube, but think that I'm a YouTube scholar. They think that I just sit at home, you know, randomly and read a couple of texts and then just come <laughs> up on, on YouTube and, and have a conversation about some stuff that I just read. I don't do that at all. I'm a researcher on the, at the university level. I, I present at conferences. I publish in publications. This is what I do. So when, when of course, the layperson isn't going to understand this because they don't understand this basic thing that Diop says here on page 86, that basic research will always remain essentially a university concern because lay people are concerned with research and research methods. They're not trying to publish and bring about new knowledge. Let's look at all the people who's in opposition of this who's come uh, forward thus far. What publications do they have? Some will even name people that they knew all these years, but don't have any publications themselves, having demonstrated that they are on a, on a university level can generate and bring about new knowledge. So they argue about non-insignificant stuff because they don't know how to stay focused because they've never had practice in terms of publishing, presenting in front of um, uh, colleagues and having your stuff scrutinized. That's a whole different world than us getting on Facebook and having a debate in, in 140 characters or less on Twitter. The whole different world. And so, you know, Diop was about the establishment of institutions. So he says here, we wish to see African, the African nation everyone is talking about these days adapt itself to the needs of the modern technical world, we have from its very beginnings to provide those technical institutes that guarantee the life of modern nation. We should forthwith create the following institutions, an institute of nuclear chemistry and physics to be split into two later if need be, an electronics institute, an aeronautics and aeronautics institute, I don't know why they, oh, excuse me, aeronautics and the astronautics institutes, aka the space age, or the uh, uh, B, an institute of applied chemistry for industry and agriculture, organic synthesis, metallurgy, mineral chemical industry, and so on, 
and Institute of Tropical Agronomy and Biochemistry Soil Studies, fertilizing fertilizers, extraction of vegetable products with a view to finding industrial or pharmaceutical applications for certain flora. F, an Institute of Health specialized in the study of tropical diseases. All of these having to deal with a, a, a study, a, a good majority of these have to deal with the study of land and agriculture and plants and water, physics. All the stuff that the ancient Egyptians were doing, they're telling you what their care and concern was. And so y'all reduced the ancient Egyptians so, so that they uh, re resorted to their skin color. Like that That mattered to, to the ancient Egyptians who were in power and who weren't under the guise of any other racist, you know, saying society. They're, they're in power. They hold their own land. They're the, 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 the determinatives of their own destiny. And they worried about skin color. And it's so, silly. It's, sorry, it's, so, okay. So, hey, Wuja. Wuja. Okay, I'm so, going to go. Yep. Oh, I think so, Saul has to roll out. So, uh, I don't have it handy. You can't grab it. But go ahead. show y'all something. Huh? No, go ahead. Keep talking. I'll see if I can uh, find show one real something. quick. So, Saul Hotep, right? A scholar on YouTube. Right? Remember, I brought in the generation of YouTube scholars, and y'all have messed all that up. Right? I ushered in that. Right? Okay, trust me. YouTube scholars. Alright? We're doing the best we could do. You feel me? But we recognize one thing about a true YouTube scholar, he recognized he was a damn YouTube scholar. He didn't thought he was, you know what I'm saying, just a goddamn uh, show enough. I'm going to go ahead and run up in a university and get, no, 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 no. Let me show you how I had enough sense to realize that. I got brothers and sisters around me. You know what I'm saying? Like Dr. Oyama, yeah, Brother Son Jetty, Smash Rockwell, Asar, Wuja, Sister Naya. You know what I'm saying? Got brothers and sisters around me that we used to navigate through the damn universities. It's a difference there. But watch this. We have reduced the Egyptians to their goddamn skin color, which is, which is, bananas. You know what I'm saying? Like, that wasn't even the fight. So if you come to the skin color map, which I like to use regularly, right? Ain't find it yet, Wuja? Uh, I got it. Let me let me share it. I put it up. show y'all how crazy, I'm going to show you how crazy we are, right? I, I'm thinking it was important back, back, back in the 70s, right? To glorify our skin color. Right? It was important for yeah, politically. Right, to kind of make that stance. So right? I got it up. So we got this skin map right here, right? And if you know Africa a little bit, you should pretty much know where the Nile Valley is, right? It's in that zone. The, the Nile Valley River is 4,100 miles long. The deeper you go into inner Africa is on the equator. It's where you're dark. I see you pointing right there where you see the dark street. What you will notice is go over there near Palestine. Uh, all right over there in palestine these people have brown skin whether you like it or not saudi arabia these people have brown skin whether you like it or not brown skin even when you end up going in parts of italy where the romans i mean where, where the greeks are you see they also have a brown skin so 
if you was going to be a scientist, you would absolutely do this. You would absolutely be right here doing what we're doing right now. He knew it. The same way we know it. We know that the younger generation is going to come behind us and up the goddamn ante on the scholarship. We know it. It's not a secret what scientists do. Scientists give credit. Even white scientists, Newton. So Isaac Newton give credit to the Egyptians. Scientists, this is, it's like, it's what scientists do. Like they give credit for where they get their shit from. It's just part of the damn code. But it doesn't make sense. The whole fucking planet is predominantly brown. The whole ancient world, the old world, man, it was predominantly brown, the dark-skinned people. It would make no sense. Fuja says this very eloquently. He says that, man, the Egyptians painted themselves brown. Show those pictures of those Egyptians, brother Fuja. You got them pictures? So we see based off the I'm skin, man. I'm going to pull them up. people is brown any damn way. The black people. Ain't nothing but black people. Look at Mesoamerica. Black people. Everywhere is Australia. Black people. So what black people was you talking about when you said the black people? You wouldn't have known. It's just bananas. So Wujai says, well, wait a minute. The Egyptians painted the Nubians black. Blacker than them. <laughs> Sudan, darker than them. Why would you call yourself the black people when there's a people blacker than you below you? All right, so uh, let me let me share let me share a couple of things then. Since you since you brought that up, I think it's a good time to share it real quick because I now I want to get back to that uh that this uh feminine tea excuse of a non-rule that that keeps being brought up because people don't want to deal with the top of them issue and 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 all the other stuff. I'm gonna get back to that, but since you brought this up, I think it's a good uh good chance to uh share this real quick. Now remember, we're dealing yes, with com- we're dealing with common sense. Yes, yeah, so I had to leave. So we're dealing with common sense here. All right. So now here here is the logic. Okay. So the logic is that as Asar said and as you just said that the color of the skin of the people was way more important and a, and a top more top priority than the actual nation building aspect of a sovereign uh, pol- political society kingdom polity and state that relied on the river for its survival and access to water so they said forget about all that stuff we're not going to name our country regarding any of that we're going to name our country uh, after the skin color of of our people so with that being a logic which is really illogical so i'm going to show a couple of these pictures now what i want everybody to do who is watching because i don't have time to show a lot of pictures now i, ha- I have i have uh literally i have like a thousands of pictures of ancient egyptian uh artwork and everything like that but what i want yes. everybody what yes, i want right. what i want everybody to do is to google ancient egyptian art right Google it and just look through all the artwork and pictures. And what I want you to pay attention to is the pigment color that's used for Egyptian men. Okay. And I want you to to uh, step back and look at your screen and shuffle through the different pictures. It's gonna be a whole bunch of search results. I want you to look at the dominant color that's used. But anyway, I'm gonna show you all a couple a couple of them. So here we have a fourth dynasty. The color, uh, I'm going to have to mute your, 
uh, mic a little bit. All right, let me move it out. Okay, so in the this is a picture of the fourth dynasty. Now, mind you, I have I have thousands of pictures, but I'm only going to show a few because I'm going to make a point here. So the fourth dynasty. This is the statue of uh, Yai Ib. All right, he is depicted in the pigmentation of a reddish brown. Some people call this color tawny. All right. If you look up tawny, you'll see that it's described as a reddish, uh, a shade of red. All right. Reddish brown. Okay. So this is fourth dynasty. Here is another picture from the fifth dynasty tomb of Princess Yadut. Uh, Shashat. Notice that this, per this per person is depicted in a reddish brown. All the people in the in the tomb are depicted reddish brown. And I'm going to go through these kind of quick. Here is another picture of a fifth dynasty uh, tomb. Uh, Mastaba of Chi. Reddish brown. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm paying attention to the men. Because the women is a different uh, subject when it comes to the color depiction for women. All right. That's a whole nother topic. And remember, we're staying on topic. Okay. So look at the other picture. It's the same tomb. The men here are reddish brown. What color is their hair? Um, what, what color is their hair? Now, I don't want you to look at you driving, so I'll just I'll let everybody know that the hair color on these particular men is black. All right? This cattle, this bull, or this cow that's in front of this, this figure is black. All right? right. This is right. not the skin color of these people that are being depicted. So, so, so we have here in a scene two colors, black and this reddish-brown that they use for themselves all the time. All right. So I, I'm just pointing out something, making a point. So here's a comparison. Same same uh, general color. Now, mind you, all of this artwork is very, very old. So some of these colors have slightly faded and so on and so forth because because, you know, we're in 2018 now. And uh, this stuff is very, very old. Here's another picture. Sixth Dynasty. Meruruka. Look at the color, the pigment chosen by the scribes. OK, it's a reddish brown. All right. Here's another uh, tomb uh, from the sixth dynasty. All the people in this tomb are are painted reddish brown, reddish brown, reddish brown. All right. You got the Nubians. I'm getting to that. So here's a six. Hey, here's look, a six. Hold on. Hold on. When you get your new, then I want you to show the his That's going to kill a ass. That's going to checkmate them all. All right. So this is the sixth dynasty mm -hmm. uh, tomb. Again, reddish brown, reddish brown mm -hmm. color. We're, we're seeing a common theme. Uh, here. So here's another tomb, twelfth dynasty. So now I'm I'm skipping. I'm I'm coming up because I like I said I I could show a thousand, but we don't have a we don't have time for it. So here is the twelfth dynasty. Uh, hold up, let me make sure, Mike. Okay, twelfth dynasty. So we have reddish brown. All right, this this tomb of the two brothers. Everybody here is reddish brown. Now notice now what the what the ancient remage did or the scribes when they want to show a lot of people. That are that are standing close to each other when they want to still show a multitude of people they will alternate the shades so you have a both of these are reddish brown but one of them is slightly lighter reddish brown and this one a little darker reddish brown etc etc you see how it's alternating there but the common theme is that it's reddish brown it's not black all right so let's go show a couple more now we're going to go to the 18th dynasty 18th dynasty everybody here is reddish brown all right reddish brown reddish brown all day long uh, 20th dynasty reddish brown okay so we're still walking up 
Now, the next picture I show you is going to be a depiction that the ancient Egyptians themselves depicted of their southern neighbors compared to themselves. So here is what people like to call the Nubians. They're always depicted in a darker pigment than the ancient Egyptians themselves. Ancient Egyptians is a reddish brown. The people, their neighbors south of them are depicted darker, be it black or a very, very dark uh, reddish brown. All right. But the point here is that it's a lot darker. All right. So um, the point that I am getting at now, let me let me show let me show something else. Uh, people have to realize oh, I can't can't hear you. You muted. I said, show the Benny Han tune with the head scopes. <laughs> but hold up. I want to make I want to I want to make this point here. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Here are the Nubians paying tribute to ancient Kemet. All right. Mm -hmm. Dark brown. Okay. Black. So now what I want everybody to understand is that that the scribes had standards just like the glyphs. This is why over 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 pretty much all of the 3000 years that Kemet existed, the glyphs that are carved pretty much look the same. All right. There are standards that are created. And so the standard color, the national color that they use for the pigmentation of Egyptian men is that reddish brown. All right. So and see, I got I'm here in that background. OK, so the standard color is a reddish brown. All right. Now, um, I'm going to show you this picture here to prove to to back up what I'm saying as far as the national colors of reddish brown. All right, so Unc, I want you to tell me. Okay. Uh, can you see this picture here? Yeah. Imagine I know you're driving, so I matter of fact I don't, I don't no, want to contribute. Ahead. I got a big ass screen. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So this this picture here is a picture of the seated figure here is the deity yep. Amun Ra. Huh? He's painted blue. Shit. Okay, and the and the picture, uh, the figure behind him is Khunsu. All right, now they're both facing a king. Now notice that this king is painted in the standard traditional reddish brown pigment that I just showed. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, how do we know that this what I said is true when I said it is a national standard? Okay, this particular king here. Um. What king would you think this is? I mean, I, I mean, I, I know it's, it's like a lot of kings you can mention, but just just throw one out there. Ramses. Okay, Ramses. All right, now I'm sure everybody in the audience, uh, if you can't read the glyphs, you you're not gonna know, but you're gonna think this is a, an Egyptian king. But guess what? Guess who this is? No, I'm go for it. This is Ptolemy. Uh, uh, killed. This is the king Ptolemy. Now, everyone, everyone knows that Ptolemy is a Greco-Roman individual. All right. Now, how we know this is Ptolemy, because we can see in the cartouche here or the Shinu, we see his name, Ptolemaeus. His name is Ptolemaeus Merniputa uh, Jet-Unk. So he's the, Ptolem the, the king Ptolemaeus, beloved of Ptah. That's what his name means. His name is right there in the Shinu. Okay. So we know that Ptolemy is a Greco-Roman and so or from the Greco-Ptolemaic era. 
and people will refer to him as being European. But yet this particular king is depicted in the reddish brown pigmentation as the rest of the kings, which shows that this is a national standard of depiction. All right. Here's another picture of Ptolemaeus again. All right. This time he's standing in front of the deity men. Okay. So reddish brown again. All right. Now the point that I'm making, both of these pictures are Ptolemaeus. Okay. The one on the left and then the one in front of men. Okay. These are two different scenes, a part of the same wall. All right. Now the point I'm making is that this particular color that, that is used to depict the men of ancient Kemet is reddish brown. So if, now I'm using common sense here, if they wanted to name the country after their skin color and, and, they, and people think that that name means black, then why would, they, why would they choose to depict themselves other than black as a national color? All right, so I hope people get that logic. If they wanted to name this country after their skin color, why would they artfully and visibly and visually depict themselves a color other than black? And why would they depict their southern neighbors darker than them, but yet call don't call their country south of them Kemet? Okay, so that's the logic. And I think Unk, I think we uh Unk got bumped off as well. So all right, so I'm the I'm the I'm the lone stander here, stand uh lone person standing here. So let me do this real quick while while I while I hopefully I have everybody's attention who's watching. All right. I want to show you all something. But I hope you all understand that point. That's just some common sense logic right there. Why would you name your country? After your skin color, but 99.9% of the time you represent yourself visually and artistically as something other than that color. As a reddish brown as opposed to black. Okay, so think about that. But what I want to show you all is this here. Because I wanted, like I said, I wanted to deal with this uh, so-called feminine tea uh rule or excuse that people are using just to sidestep the real issue all right so i'm going to share something and i'm going to try to make this as plain as i possibly can all right so first and foremost i want everybody to understand that um what we're calling nouns today and what we call adjectives today, both of those things are really two types of nouns. All right. And so what has happened is our word noun in English actually comes from the Latin word nomen. As I'm showing on the screen. OK, nomen means name or noun. And so there have always been two types of nomen or nouns. One is called in Latin, substantivum, and the other one is called adjectivum, all right? In English, we, we say substantive 
for substantivum and for adjectivum we say adjective so both substantives and adjectives are both two types of nouns all right that has to that uh, people have to really understand that but what has happened in english is that we have changed the label of a substantive and we call it noun. Dang. We call a substantive noun now and, and we no longer realize. Hold on. Yes. Hold on. Hold on, man. How the hell you get away from the picture? Just go. <laughs> no, you, you have bumped out. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on to this feminine T. Don't move on. Hold on for the, for you kill him with the feminine T. Wait a minute. Go back to the pictures because they were a thousand words. So go back to the Hiscos, man. I don't. I don't even have. The, I don't have a picture of the Hiscos. You can just type in Benny Han, Benny Han, or Hiscos. It's gonna pop right up like you just did. Yeah, but see, my point is that there's a national color used, and that national yes. color for that long was not the color black. And so, and, so, and so if they want to name their national, their, their nation mm -hmm. black, why, they got the wrong color. why they in the, the world, color. why in the world would they depict <laughs> themselves visually and artistically other than hold black? On. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that again real slow. <laughs> I'm saying the, the whole, the moment. whole, the whole point of me showing the pictures was to, uh -huh. was to bring to people's attention that there was a standard color that was used all throughout Egypt's lifetime. <laughs> and it wasn't black. <laughs> and it was not black. It was it was a reddish brown. Okay? And and if they're gonna name their, their nation, their country, their kingdom, after their skin color that to mean black, why in the world would they depict themselves for over three thousand years, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, why would they depict themselves outside or other than black? To the point where they where they depict their southern neighbors as black. darker than them and black. <laughs> they just a bunch of misfit, ignorant ass people. <laughs> so so that that was the point. So I don't I don't even have to bring up the Benny Hassan or the or the uh, no no no. The, All right, that, that was my point. My point is I wanted to show the pictures of their neighbors that was in Egypt on regular occurrences. Okay, so let me do this then. Cause that's the separate. I got you. Separate them. Go ahead. I got you. Yeah, I wanna. I want to I um, show show this because because these you know I'm I'm trying to really unpack the confusion that people are having. <laughs> the femininity. That people the are having. Power tea. Yeah. The power tea. <laughs> all right. So. Um. This is this oh, is what this is what's happening, and you all are gonna be able to tell who oh, who knows Faking the none. grammar of this language and who doesn't. And who's just calling off terms uh, as a distraction. You writing a grammar book, ain't you, brother? When that grammar book going to be out? I'm going to say this again. He's writing a grammar book. Grammar. Yeah, Go it's going to be out in the early, uh, hopefully early first, um, within the first three months of next year. So, all right. So back to, so now I'm, 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 what I'm, what I'm explaining here on the screen is that first of all, people have to understand that what we're calling nouns today are really should be called substantives both substantives and adjectives are two types of nouns so they've always been and so it's only people who now the average person doesn't even have to realize this or even deal with this 
But but when we get into these kinds of conversations, this is something that you'll you'll come to know and find out that it's always been this way. All right. So when people jump into it and find this out, they may be shocked and then it becomes a big deal. All right. So. um, But so what I have here on the screen and I just read it in Latin, the word nomen is name or noun from where we get our word now. There has always been two types of nouns, substantives and adjectives. In English, we call substantives nouns. And by doing this, we hide the fact that nouns and adjectives are the same, except adjectives denote an entity plus a property, whereas a noun denotes an entity only. So that's that's critical for people to understand. A substantive or what we call noun today refers to entities. OK, they say persons, places or things. An adjective refers to a property as well as an entity at the same time. That's why they call them in Latin adjective. If you look up the Latin prefix ad here, it means to add on, to add near. And so what they did, they added on the property of the entity. So these are words that denote or refer to properties of entities and the entities themselves at the same time. Whereas a noun or a substantive, as we should should call it, refers to only an entity. So these are two types of the same thing. Always has been. OK, there's no there's no there's nothing uh, surprising there whatsoever. All right. So now let's get to this uh, feminine uh, business here. So what I have on the screen now is a, a, a visual of grammatical gender, what we call grammatical gender. So. When we're dealing with languages, when we when we say feminine or masculine and feminine or feminine and masculine, we're talking about grammatical gender. All right. So in ancient Egyptian, the language of ancient Egypt, uh, the language has two genders, masculine or feminine. So every single substantive or like what most people like to call nouns, every single one of them has to be one or the other. OK, masculine, feminine, there's no such thing as a genderless noun in ancient Egyptian or genderless substantive, as we call it. So look. So think of the nouns in ancient Egypt language as coins. So I have here uh, two sides of a coin. One side is masculine. One side is feminine. If you were to toss up a coin, it's got to land on one or the other. So. Think of that as the nouns or substantives in the language. They're one or the other. But what does it mean, though? What what is the point of it? So what we have is called a system of agreement. So grammatical gender, the function of grammatical gender is to act as a trigger. For other words in sentences to also be of one or the other genders. And that and that trigger and target when words change to agree with each other is called a system of agreement or a system of concordance. All right. So I have some examples here to show you. But let, but before I even discuss these examples, let me let me show you an example in English or say an example in English where you where you understand what I mean. Um, in English, I can say that I am going to the store. 
I, it would be improper for me to say I is going to the store. Okay. Um, but it would be proper for me to say he is going to the store or she is going to the store. But I can't say I is going to the store. I have to change the is to to am. I am going to the store. And if I want to use they, which is third person plural, I have to say they are going to the store. So notice that I have to change the verb am, is, and are accordingly to the subject. So if it's I, which is first person singular, I have to use am. If it's third person, uh, he or she, I have to use is. If it's third person plural, I have to use are. Okay, that's called concordance. That's called agreement. But that's a verb subject agreement. All right. That's very basic. Now, we, we learn that in, in school. Now, you know, a lot of us have been to school a long time ago and, and we may forget, but that's what we learn in school. All right. So that's very simple. Now. So now back to this example I have on the screen, the system of concordance in ancient Egyptian. Now, the grammar, the, the gender, excuse me, the gender of a word is what sets up this system of agreement in Egyptian. It doesn't change the meaning of a word. It just it's just there to function, to set up the system of agreement. So I have an example. We have the word maja, which means book. Okay, Th these three words in this column are substantives or what like people like to call nouns. All right. Here we have a masculine noun or substantive maja. It means book. The adjective here, if I want to describe this book. I put the word desher here. This word desher means red. So majat being masculine means that this word desher has to be masculine because it has to agree. This demonstrative, which is a word that means this. The word pen means this. So I'm saying this red book. So all three of these words are masculine. Why? Because the substantive is masculine. This word here, the substantive, is the trigger that causes the other words that's related to it in the sentence to be also masculine. That's the purpose of grammatical gender. It only triggers the other words to be in the feminine or in the masculine because they have to agree. It doesn't change the word, as we'll see. So now we're going to go to a feminine form. This is a feminine form of the same word, majat. Now it's feminine. So the adjective also has to be feminine. Now we have desheret, which is red book, still red book. Both of these are red book. One is masculine form and the other is feminine form. The demonstrative changes to a feminine. It's no longer pen, which is the masculine way of saying this. Now it's a feminine way of saying this, which is ten. Majat desheret ten, which is this red book. That's feminine. All right. So so now this particular word is also feminine. Amat, which means mud or arable soil. All right. As a noun or substantive. Therefore, because it's feminine, the adjective black, Kim, you have to put a T on there to match. So we have Amet or Amat, Kemet, 10. 
this black soil or this black arable soil, this black mud. Okay, that's the purpose of grammatical gender to set up a an agreement system within the sentences of the language. We call that syntactic, a, a syntactic uh, phenomenon. All right. So here's some more examples. So 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 here's the example of what people are trying to use when they talk about adjectives being nouns, as I showed you. Adjectives has always been nouns. Adjectives don't become nouns. They are nouns. Substantives don't become nouns. They are nouns. That has to sink in everybody's head. Adjectives and substantives are both nouns. We just don't realize that because we've, we've changed this label that hides that fact. So when I come back to this example here, we have the word deshir up top means red. Majat means book. All right. So if I want to say this book is red, notice that this this color red, this adjective is is in the predicate of the sentence. The book is red. The subject of the sentence is the book. The predicate is is red. Therefore, the adjective is in the predicate. So we refer to this kind of adjective as a predicative or predicative adjective. Why? Because it's in the predicate. Now, in the language, predicative adjectives come first. That's why you see the share first. The share majat. But pay attention. The share is masculine, whereas majat is feminine. So in these examples, uh, we don't have agreement. So when it comes to predicative adjectives, there is no agreement. Okay, I want everybody to understand that this kind of adjective used this way. There is no agreement. It doesn't have to agree with the noun or substantive that is modifying. Okay, now we're going to move to another example. Now we have what's called an attributive adjective. These are adjectives that are not in the predicate. So the translation is different. Now I have majat desharet. I have to make this, this adjective feminine to match the gender of this one. Why? Because the substantive is the trigger. The adjective is the target. So I have to make this feminine now. And the translation changed. Now it means the red book. There is no predicate. This is a phrase now. This over here is a sentence. The one in the middle is a phrase. The red book. Majat Desharet. All right. Now, Desharet, on its own, when used by itself, functions as a substantive or functions as a noun. And this is why you hear people now who 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 are um, who were unfamiliar with this? Now they make a um, a big deal out of the fact that adjectives can become nouns, and here is why. Remember what I said: adjectives denote or refer to a property and an entity at the same time. So, when they're used, when they're used independently, they show just that. 
So, so the property here is red. The entity is represented by this T. Now, we don't know what kind of entity it is, so the translation becomes the red one or the red something. We don't know what that something is, but we know it's an entity. It's, it's, it's a substantive. So we have the property and the entity, the red one. All right. That's when it's used by itself. So I just wanted to 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 uh, explain that to people so that you're not confused when people toss around these terms that uh, the feminine T uh, rule <laughs> or when they start talking about all adjectives can be nouns. Now, when they say all adjectives can be nouns, uh, that's like saying even in the glyphs that all the glyphs can be such and such. That's that's. That's a distraction because all adjectives are nouns. Are nouns. As I said. And and here's here's so here's the fourth example at the bottom. Hold on, Wuja, Wuja, can you please say that one more time? Because cause they kill me with that. Can you please say that one all adjectives are what are nouns? All okay. adjectives are nouns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, remember Good. adjectivum is a subtype of nomen, which is nouns. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what what they mean to say, and this is how you know when people really know the grammar and know what they're talking about versus people who who, um, you know, they don't really know. And I encourage people to just learn, just 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 relax and learn. So what they're really talking about is that adjectives can function as substantives. Because, like I said, in this example here. It's not functioning as a substantive uh, in the first example. In the second one, it's not functioning as a substantive. In this third one, it is because it, it exists independently. It becomes a substantive. That's your, the red one. Now, this last example is the same as this middle example, but it's just analyzed differently. So this is how we do it. So Majat Desharet can be two substantives side by side. We refer to this as a, a, a positive construction. And all a positive means is that two things are juxtaposed next to each other. That's all it means. It means putting something side by side. Okay. And because these are side by side, we can translate this as majat, meaning the book, and then desharet, the red one. So notice that I'm co I'm combining the the substantive form of desharet with the substantive of of majat. Two substantives side by side. The book, namely the red one. So if I say it as an attributed adjective, I have to say it this way. I have to say the red book. But if I'm going to use it as a substantive, the translation would change. The book, namely the red one. So we have two substantives here. So, so Wuja, real fast. Yes. So basically, you have people who don't even understand English grammar, don't even understand grammar. So if you don't have a basic working knowledge of grammar, how do you expect people to understand Egyptian grammar? You know what I'm saying? Like, like all of a sudden, I mean, if you understand English grammar, then you can get to understand Egyptian grammar. It's grammar. Yes, yes. So, Unc, 
So, so I don't know if you are you still driving? Yeah, I'm going to get you the spot. Go ahead, though. Okay, so I'm going to use you as as a as a as a, a test subject uh, mm -hmm. for this right here. All right, because I can't interact with uh with the people right uh -huh. now. All right, so now this is gonna. So I hope everybody got what I just said. So let me let me just summar, summarize that again. So remember, the whole thing about this feminine T, when they the when they, when they the try rule. when they try to invoke the feminine T rule, the fact that they're saying feminine, all they're all they're saying is one of two genders in the language. And remember, the purpose of grammatical gender is simply to be a trigger. For, for the agreement with all the other words related to it. So so the substantive being masculine or feminine simply means it's going to trigger either adjectives, demonstratives, or participles or particles in the other in the other parts of the sentence if they exist in the same sentence. They're going to have to match. And that and that that system of matching is forms a system of agreement. Now hold up. So before I move on, let me show this slide here. Okay. And I'm going to show you all what I mean by that. So in this particular uh, sentence here, we have, uh, I'm going to read the translation. He came, he caused the nation of Kemet to live. He dispelled its afflictions. So I'm using this to explain a phenomenon called anaphora. All right. And so what this is, is that we have a... Um, a substantive or a noun, all right, Kemet. And then we have a pronoun that's used to refer back to it. And we call that anaphoric. So let me just read this. So this S suffix here, this folded cloth, this S suffix here, is a pronominal suffix on the word shinenu. You see shinenu S. And I'm hearing some noise there. All right, good. So we have shinenu S. The S on here is a pronominal suffix, and it's a third person, feminine, and singular pronoun. And it anaphorically refers back to its antecedent, which is the word Kemet. All right. And agrees with it in gender and number. So because this pronoun is feminine and singular, this antecedent, which is the word Kemet, is feminine and singular. Okay. It's not plural. If it was plural, this would be sin, but it's S. All right. So I want to point that out. This is what I'm talking about when I, a system of agreement. Okay. So for example, here's an English example. If I say, uh, Unc is driving down the street. He needs to be careful while driving. Again, Unc is driving down the street. He needs to be careful while driving. Notice that I used the, the, the name Unc at first, and then I used the pronoun he. That pronoun he anaphorically refers back to the word Unc. If I started off out the blue and just said he needs to drive carefully, you would have no idea who I'm talking about. All you know that it's, it's a male. That's it. You won't know who. Okay? So that's the, the concept of anaphorically referring back to something. And it has to agree. I can't say Unc is driving down the street. She needs to drive carefully. That would be incorrect. It has to agree in gender and number. All right. And those, that's just an English example. All right. So. 
that so so I wanted I wanted that to be uh, clear. So Unc, so I don't know if you if you can see this because I want to use you as a as a test subject. All right, go ahead. I'm apparently shooting. Okay, so now now so now what I'm going to show is what Asar because Asar had to leave. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, elaborate on what Asar was saying about the T the T in the word Kemet. Okay, people people feel, but I'm gonna have to mute you though. Unk. I guess. Oh, wow, you doing what you doing? So, people are focusing on the feminine T, the feminine T, the feminine T. All right. Um, people that are doing that, they don't understand that there exists something called a portmanteau, morphemes, and what that simply means is that um, it's a combination of two or more morphemes into one. And so, I'm showing this example, and so that's why I'm want to use you as a test subject. To make sure uh, it's understood. All right. So, in the glyphs here, I'm showing the word sedum in F. Okay. This is all one word. Okay. You you with me? So, all right. So this word right here is sedum in F. All one word. Okay. And it it means he heard. But I want to tell you that the word sedum by itself means to hear. In the end, this water ripple here represents past tense. So it so it changes the sedum to here to the past tense of it heard. Okay. So now the f the f on the end represents the pronoun he. So altogether it means he heard. But this is one word. It means he heard. Okay. So now. Uh, these first two glyphs represent the word sedjim, which is here. The N represents the past tense. And that's why you see it right here in the brackets. Okay? Past tense. Now, this one glyph right here, this one glyph, the horn viper, this one glyph right here represents uh, three things at one time. It represents third person. It represents masculine. And it represents singular all at the same time. Therefore, it's called a portmanteau, a portmanteau morph, uh, morph. So this one glyph, this one morph is representing three morphemes. Third person, masculine and singular at the same time. If this was third person, feminine and singular, it would be S. It'd be a folded cloth here. It'd be Sejim and S. She heard. You, you follow that so far? I think I'm trying to use... You um, had me muted, shit. Now that I'm a, you had me muted, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying, but I'm, I'm asking now. I mean, I I know I had you muted, but I'm asking you, Dad, do you, or do you follow? <laughs> no, come back again. Let me put my glasses on. All right. That's what. That's word. okay. That's why I asked you because I, I I would have waited until you get settled because I don't want to repeat myself anymore. Well, hell, dude, as crazy as people is, you need to repeat that. <laughs> Shit, you doing yourself a justice, huh? Because yeah. I want I want to I want to use you as the test subject because the, because the whole thing is that you right now you're representing the 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 people the audience, okay? And so right. and so when you get it, everybody's gonna get it. All right, but go. What, why the screen? Why why it ain't on the whole screen? Did I hit the wrong button or something? 
maybe so because it's, it's it's showing full it's showing on mine full and to the audience hide my video okay damn what did i do man damn because i ain't big enough huh all right you can't see that big enough all right good good i see it go ahead Okay, so so give me give me five minutes. So I, I know you I know you came from the warehouse and the and the abs you wear and then the guys and I know you you know unloading something, but give me give me three to five minutes. All right, but freeze right there, yo. How many people you got watching? Because we need to we need to advertise our class, man. We all on mine, so we need to advertise our class. It's uh, seventy five people watching. Man, look, man, if y'all in the Atlanta area, man, look, uh twenty second, we normally do the last Saturday of every month. This month we're gonna do early for all y'all people that love Christmas and all the holidays, right? So we're gonna be teaching at the Black Dot Bookstore and Cultural Center in Lithonia, Georgia. All you gotta do is Google Black Dot Bookstores and the address is gonna come up. Uh, the class is gonna be from six to nine. Uh, I expect y'all to be in the building, man. All right, those good questions, powerful questions, man. Come support support the store, right? And so we're not just talking this thing, we're writing these books, man. We owning stores. You know what I'm saying? Shoe companies, right? With the dag on consciousness built in. So make sure y'all join me and Wuja. We're going to be talking a little religion because it's the merry, merry time of the year. Go ahead, Wu. All right. So, all right. So you so you ready? You 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 straight? All right. I'm looking at it. Okay. Morphetic allows example. Okay. All right. I need, I need three to five minutes of your attention. All right. So here we go. All right. All right. So I want everybody in the audience, y'all going to witness Unk. Light bulb about to click. All right, so here we go. The light bulb's already clicked. <laughs> All right, so here we go. So, so might confuse me. No, no, no. That's that's the thing. I, I, I definitely, I definitely will not confuse you. All right, so look. So we're dealing with a what's called a morphemic analysis. This example, okay. All right, so what I'm saying is that all these glyphs that you see on the screen is are the glyphs that spell out one word. All right, the word is sedum in f. And, and it means he heard, past yes. tense. Now, the first two glyphs is the word sejim, and it means to hear. Okay, it's, it's the verb to hear. So what, we reading in two glyphs? Yes, we reading from uh, left to right. Left to right, reading into it. All right, yep. go ahead. So we got sejim, uh -huh. and then we have in, the water ripple in, and then the horn viper represents F. Right. All right, so you got that. All right, so now, um, so... The sedgen part mm -hmm. means here to here. All right. The N, the water ripple represents N. It represents past tense. Mm -hmm. So that's so, so that's two morphemes right there. Okay. To here and then the past tense morpheme. Mm -hmm. Now, so what I'm what I'm what I'm emphasizing is this last glyph here, this horn viper. Okay. It, it represents the pronoun he, mm -hmm. but it also represents three things at one time it represents third person mm -hmm. masculine mm -hmm. and, and singular mm -hmm. so now if it was third person feminine and singular it would mm -hmm. we would have to say she heard right okay so the point the point here is that this one glyph is mm -hmm. represent is representing three things at one time got it third person masculine and singer all at the same time and it, and and it's formally called a portmanteau morpheme or portmanteau morph that's representing more than one morpheme. Okay? All right. So, when we come to the word kemet, 
Uh, let's see if I can put pull that up. Uh, where are we at? Where do I have Kemet at? Um, I had it. Just your typical word, Kemet. Um, I know I had it. Okay, so this is a slide where I'm showing it. All right, so what I want people to understand is that just as I showed that F rep, rep, representing three morphemes at one time, third person, masculine, and singular, this bread loaf that people are focusing on the feminine T would, would, be, equivalent, would be equivalent of me only focusing when it comes to this word only focusing on the masculine that's like that's like me saying this word sedgemin f the mm -hmm. f here is only masculine mm -hmm. and by me doing that if i were to do that then i'm missing out on the other morphemes and so so the problem is that people don't understand that this tea mm -hmm. this bread loaf here mm -hmm. also oh. represents more than one morpheme at one time mm. so it represents feminine, feminine, masculine, not masculine, but it represents a morpheme for place or abstraction. Mm -hmm. It represents singular and it, rep and it represents feminine. Got you. you see what I'm saying? So, so Kemet also has a portmanteau morpheme. Mm -hmm. Th this T just like over here in this word, this F right here, this F right here represented these three things. Mm -hmm. This this T and Kemet represents these three things. My oh my! And everybody is only focusing on this thing that they keep calling a feminine T. My oh my! That's all they're focusing on right there. Mm. Is it on purpose? Is the question, or is it they just don't know which one is it? They just don't know. They don't know. Because because if you notice that everybody that's arguing this point, they're not people that that are proficient in the grammar. Like you see how you see how I'm 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 breaking down like now now I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it where it's not too technical. Because I because I can get, you know, I don't want to get too technical because there, there's things that people know. That's why I'm I'm explaining it this way and I wanna see if you understand it. Yeah, I got it. Okay, so, so again, this T represents three things at one time. It represents the abstraction, the abstract, singular, and feminine. Mm -hmm. But it does not change the meaning of the word. The meaning of the root is Kim, and Kim is means riparian or wetness. So it is a place of wetness. And, my oh my and so this is what asar was saying so what asar did now this is why i'm saying i'm elaborating but really asar what i'm saying now and what asar said earlier is in full complement of each other because what asar did what i'm showing is a morphemic analysis okay in linguistics you have you have um what's called a diachronic analysis where you where you go through um, time where you're going through 
different stages of languages and multiple languages. But what I'm showing is a synchronic analysis where you only deal with the language itself and uh, the way it, it, it was used at any particular time. So I'm showing it in the language. And so what Asar did was he confirmed the existence of this morphine. So, so that's what he was showing, that, that the T, this T represents abstraction and place. That's why he said Chi Muma and Chi Kulu and all that stuff. That's what he was showing. All right. So Asar confirmed it by the historical comparative method. He confirmed the existence of this morphine. And all I'm showing is that the morphine exists plus there's a morphine for singular and there's a morphine for plural. I'm sorry, for uh, feminine, which is the gender. So we have gender and number and uh, a morphine for abstraction. Okay. And, and people who are just beginning to learn uh, the language or the grammar, the one of the things you learn on a beginner's level is you're going to learn gender. You're not going to learn all this stuff on a beginner's level. So the conversation for those people will not involve this stuff. This stuff. It's only going to. Oh, I think you got to mute yourself. Huh? I'm hearing an echo. I'm hearing a double echo. A double echo. You hear a double echo now? Yep. Yep. I don't know why. Shoot, my phone is off. I'm here. Oh, I appreciate oh, it when I talk. Huh? It's when I talk. So, so anyway, I hope I hope people who are watching are are getting this. Is that is that, is that hidden behind hidden this behind tea? It. Yeah, I'm hearing yeah. a bad echo. Man, go and come back in. I'll try that one time. Let's just click it out. So, Please. so hidden behind this tea is three things, not just the feminine. So when people say the feminine tea. They're they're trying to say that it's just the feminine tea because they don't understand that this tea, this bread loaf that we transliterate as a tea represents three things at one time. The abstraction for place, singular and the feminine all at one time. And it does not change the root meaning, which is Kim pointing to wetness. So what Asar has done is he confirmed through the historical comparative method, the meaning of the root and the existence of this abstract morpheme, this morpheme for abstraction and place. That we transliterate as a T represents three things. Yeah, I definitely hear you. You must have the YouTube on or something. Go ahead. You okay. hear me? Yeah, okay. All right, go ahead. All right, so... So again, I just want to repeat uh, 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 one last time that what Asar did in his, in his original presentation and what he showed tonight was that he used a historical comparative method to confirm the root meaning of the word to mean wetness. And then he also proved the existence of the uh, morpheme for abstraction or place. And all I'm showing now is that uh, this T also represents that what uh, the abstract or place as well as singular as well as the feminine. So we have gender, number and abstraction all within one morph. Again, it's called portmanteau. 
So same thing here. This one glyph here represents three things. Gender, number, which is gender masculine, number singular, and then person. So this one glyph represents person, gender, and number. It's just that simple. All right. Now, if people uh, may have a... Um, Uh, may have a hard time uh, with that. It so, ain't hard, yo. So you 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 got that? Yeah, I mean, come on, yo. Like it ain't like it's grammar, yo. You gotta have a sense of grant. You, I mean, God dang, man, this is not to jump in it, scholarship and beat them up. Man, you gotta understand the damn grammar, man. Like, come on, like evolution. You gotta read the book, the books on it, and understand basics of biology. Most people don't realize. That Charles Darwin natural selection is the daggone basis of bi of modern biology, mm -hmm. and they ain't willing to accept that because he a white boy. Mm -hmm. You know, you you got the, the the two white boys that that, that helped decipher the meta nature. Mm -hmm. Thomas Young, you know what I'm saying? He's a physicist. He wrote a treaty a treaty on physics, the first treaty on physics. Champollion, mm -hmm. man, he spoke he spoke an African language fluently. He dreamed the language. He could dream it. He could dream in Coptic. You know what I'm saying he he was trying to decipher the shit since he was 12 years old. So let me So it wasn't no just run over there and just do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? None of it. Did this right here, man, the layman, yo, you got the layman got chill for a minute and learn. It's class. It's the Amaral squad. Shashu Mani Metanature. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, why everybody think it was just it, this easy? It never was gonna be that. No one never was going to get around them. We don't even open our mouths on subjects that we're not thoroughly studied in. Like, who? when, when they going to learn that? Right. So, look. I, me... I, at a certain point, you should say, you know what? Man, they must know something about that. <laughs> so, so, so let me, let, let me, let me use you one more time. All right. Just, just, just to confirm, because I, I don't believe you got it. All right. All right. So, so just going to confirm if you get it or not. All right. So now, now I'm going to use some English examples. All right, so um, that's kind of a little disorganized, but let me move some stuff out the way. All right, so let's look at this first thing in the top left, right? Mm. So we're dealing with teeth. the word teeth. Uh-huh. Now, teeth is the word that you see, so that, that's what you would write. You write down, uh -huh. and, and that's how you spell it and everything, teeth. But now, behind this word or underneath, which is, uh -huh. which is what we call morpheme, on the level of morpheme, we got two things going on at one time inside that word. First of all, we have the word tooth and then the plural because teeth is plural for tooth, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's what we have going on. We have tooth, which is the singular form, and, mm -hmm. then, the, and then the plural. But, mm -hmm. but how we write it and say it is teeth. We don't say tooths with an S. Some of us do. That's the damn problem. <laughs> right, but that would be incorrect. Grandma messed up. Exactly. Anyway. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, so my point here is that, is that behind this what we see are two mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Now let's go over here to this word here. We have the word teachers. Mm -hmm. Okay. In the word teachers, we got three morphs. Uh -huh. The word teach, uh -huh. the suffix er, mm -hmm. and the suffix s. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we have the morphine, three morphemes. We have teach, okay, as the, as the root meaning of the word. And then we have er, right? So, so now let me ask you this. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, teach, 
by mm-hmm. itself, by itself. Teach, is that a noun or a verb? To teach. It's just a noun. No, to teach. Oh, to teach? Yeah. Oh, it's a verb? Okay, so teach by teach by itself is a verb, mm-hmm. right? That's something that you do. Yeah. Okay, now if I say teacher, is is that now a noun or a verb? It's a noun. Right. It's it's someone who does that. Right. A teacher. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then S is a plural. It's just saying more than one. Correct. Okay, so this is what I'm representing down here below. So we have the verb teach. So verbs are nouns though. Wait, wait. We got the verbs. Uh, uh, nah. Now, now we saying adjectives. See, now you add some stuff. See, that's what I'm saying. See, you, you, do, you about to do what what other people are doing. That's how they do it, though. You just keep adding it until everybody forget what the initial conversation is. Just add it. Exactly. So, so we have the verb to teach right here. Mm-hmm. Then the er represents what we call an uh, um, a- agentive, which means okay. it turns the verb into an agent, which okay. means. Which means it's one who one who does. Got you. So now yep. we, now we say one who does this. Teach teachers. Mm-hmm. And now we had the S represents plural. Right. Okay. So that's what's going Teacher. on. Teacher. Right. And that's what we're going on with this word. Now mm-hmm. now make note of this er. So what so what did this er do to the word teacher? It it converted it from a verb to a noun. Mm-hmm. Okay. To someone that does something, a teacher teaches. Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. Now let's move to this word, smaller. Okay. Smaller has has two elements, small and er. Mm-hmm. Now notice how this looks. Er is looks just like this er. Mm-hmm. But now, uh, the word small is an adjective. Uh-huh. It it describes it describes something, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, now notice how the er changed this into another type of word. Does mm-hmm. this does this er change this small into something, or does it is it still a uh, additive small and smaller? No, it's smaller than small. It's smaller. Exactly. So it's still an adjective. Right. Okay. So so the point here is that what we have going on is the word small, mm-hmm. which is the adjective, and then this er is called a comparative. Mm-hmm. So, so although this ER looks just like this ER, mm-hmm. they're completely different things. Mm-hmm. This ER is an agentive, and this mm-hmm. ER is a comparative. Mm-hmm. So, so regardless of what you see, these are completely different uh, morphemes. Completely different. They're Man. not the same. Okay, and so, Wait. and the reason why I'm showing that because I'm, I'm getting down here, back down here to Kemet. Same mm-hmm. thing with this T. Just because people see a T here does not mean it's functioning the same way in all the words where you see a T. Just just like this ER doesn't function the same. Okay? And so back to Kemet again. Kemet comprises of the word for Kim, which means wetness, the feminine, the singular, and abstraction. Period. That's how you analyze a word in a language you have to break down it by each morpheme and we refer to it as a morphemic analysis and this is what people who are trying to argue do not do have not done and cannot do they're stuck on a feminine t because they simply read a couple of pages out of a grammar book or googled something and that's what pops up 
All right. So anyway, that's all I wanted to show. So you got that, right? Yeah, I got that. All right. Yeah, the Finlandia is a bunch of crap. <laughs> it was. I mean, come on, yo. All right. So let me put it back on you. So I'm, I'm, I'm done. So I'm, I'm trying to see if there's any questions because I told people we were gonna answer some questions on that. But I know, I know it's late. But I, I don't know if people are gonna type it. In. Let's let's just let people type it in there real quick. You can give them the link if you want. Give them, give them a half an hour. Let me see. I know it ain't no challenge. Any challengers? No, of course not. Of course not. Well, we don't want to make it adversarial. We just want people that got questions. Like, if they, know, but why would it be adversarial after this? To, uh, so listen. So, so, so people are still watching. We got uh, quite a few people still watching. So, type in your question now. I'm looking at the chat right now. <clears throat> And I know it's a little delay. So everybody, if you have a question on anything that Asar said earlier, Unk said, or I said, or anything we showed, just drop your question in right now. All right, so while, while we're waiting on that, though, Unk, so, so, so can what's I show, your, Can so I show my screen, though? Yeah. You can All right, hold on. How the hell do I do that? Uh, let me know when you want to do that. It's screen share. Hold on, let me hit it. What the hell is the screen share at? The screen share is at the bottom, right? Screen share. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's the, ben the Benny Han joint. Share screen. All right, y'all see it? Uh, not yet. It's, it's got to come up. Give it a second. Mm -hmm. All right, give it a second. Give it a second. All right, I'm about to share it to everyone. All right, there you go. Everybody can see it. Y'all see that? What colors those people right here? They are a reddish brown. Ah, but well, who are these people though? Like Wujan, know he can read glyphs. They're bringing an offering though. These are the Asiatics. Yep, you can see, see you can see right there on your cursor, like where your cursor at. Go up. Right there. Uh huh. Now go to the right a little bit. Uh huh. Now to the to the right. Yeah, my fault. Uh -huh. I was about to say to your other right. <laughs> no, but yeah, right there, right there, right there. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's the that's the beginning of the name of of those people, right there. Mm -hmm. What did it say? The Amu. The Amu. The Amu. Marauders. The Amu people. All right, and the root of it at the root, right, is is really like they they're really nomadic Bedouin people, like 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 Adam. Or, or, or Hebrew or Amu, these people are, are, are nomadic tribes. Now move your cursor um, down to the person right there below it. Uh huh. Now right move, there. Then move it to the glyphs right there to the right. Okay. That is the word Heka Kasut. Heka Kasut, foreign chieftains. Right. Yep, foreign chieftains. Now this particular one will be Heka Kaset in the singular. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, he's a foreign ruler, and then his name is below that, below the animal's uh, neck. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. point, point to that down there, right uh -huh. there. And, and mm -hmm. the name is Absha, or mm -hmm. Ipsha. They could say Ipsha or Absha. Mm -hmm. But I just want to deal with the complexion of the, uh, of, the, uh, of the people, and here you have it. Yeah, uh, I also have a picture from a museum that Sanjetti went to, and he's showing you Asians. Yeah, it was they was represented reddish, uh, a kind of reddish brownish tone. 
So, you know, here go the Egyptian right there. Can y'all see the Egyptian? Right there. Yes. See? Yep, kind of cut off on the left, but on the right, but you see it. Let me see if I can. Man. Oh, shoot. That, that was a redrawing of it right there. Yeah, right here. This is like a facsimile right there. See, that's Egyptian. All right. It's a little bit lighter right here. But these aren't white people. These are all people of color. And I mean, like, so now what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So now what? So what's the, what's the, what's the, you know, what's the point? All right. All right. So why you, why you, why you been saying that? I, I'm looking at the comments because I, I was telling people to uh, type in their questions, make sure that people could hear me. Uh, type in their questions. So based on what I'm seeing, yeah. And if you have a question for me, um, oh well, if you have a question for any of us, right? Uh, Put put the Amara squad like like tag it so I could see it so the question can stand out because I almost missed it. So you see this new job? Yeah, yep. That's the it's that website, right? And you can look at the bottom of it, read the words. You know what website it come off of? It say the Hisco's King, Pappas, right? Sixteenth Dynasty. So you know people sit here and try to represent people like winners. Clyde Winters try to represent these as African people. Truth is, guess why there's not an African person, Wuja? Uh, well, I know they, they reuse those. Yeah. <laughs> they took Nubian sculptures or Egyptian sculptures and and, and they just, because they, they didn't have a written language and they just transcribed their names on, on the statues. That's all they did. <laughs> and that and that and that was done a lot. People don't realize that tombs yeah. that tombs <laughs> tombs were reused. Um, oh, uh, certain certain temples walls were uh, replastered and and recarved. <laughs> and a perfect example is the uh, the temple of Seti the First in Abju, where people are claiming that those uh, flying saucer uh, glyphs are. That's really a product of that process. <laughs> So what people say in the chat room though? Yeah. So I so, just so we got some... that there were uh on some real low level that you know the skin map based up you know the majority of planet Earth anywhere are people of color. So it ain't even making no sense. You know, and that's why the whole Mesoamerican argument is retarded. You know what I'm saying? Based off the skin map. Like get out of here. The skin map show you that those people in Mesoamerica are gonna be brown, dark brown at times. Variations of brown. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you would have to understand evolution. Biological evolution helps you tell the African story. A grammar, understanding grammar helps you tell the revolutionary African story. You know what I'm saying? Being able to read the language of the Nile Valley Africans, you know, is revolutionary because it helps you tell you the story to understand their culture and how and how powerful it was. You know, like Abydos. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you, you go to the second dynasty, first dynasty, you find these big, they call them fortresses, but really what they was, they was, they was tombs. You know what I'm saying? This is one of the first places of commerce. So the early pharaohs is buried in Abydos. Am I not right or wrong? Their brother, what, Wuja? Uh, one of the uh, old, old, well, especially where they, where they found the, okay. uh, the old. Pre-dynastic too, pre-dynastic too. 
where they found the oldest examples of the language in Abju. Mm-hmm. So, so some when you find oldest right now, that's why I named the company Abju Ad. Commerce, trade, business. But I wouldn't have known that not unless I was able to go to Uja. Right? You know, I was saying Abydos. He said, yo, you got to go ahead all the way with it. Abju. So, look, man. So, it's, it's, it's the method to the madness. Go ahead. No, I was, I'm trying to, I'm, I want to address a couple of the uh, questions. So I scrolled what, up. What, what was some of the questions? What were they talking about? Well, somebody asked, um, well, I guess the first one was uh, from Rakim777. He said, uh, Wujao, can you show another form of the word Kemet? And so uh, just so you know, uh, brother, that when you ask me to show another form of the word Kemet, you have to realize that there are several words that are Kemet, completely different words, Kim and Kemet in the language. So, so I don't really know if you mean to show different forms of, of the toponym, you know, the name of the country. So if that's the case, then I'm showing, to, I'm showing them on the screen now. So these are three different forms at the top that you see here, three different forms of the same thing. So we have Kemet, Kemet, Kemet. These, are, these three are the same words. They're just variations of the same thing. Okay. Um, so we have one with the determinative of a water channel. The other one with a determinative of a, a, a intersection of water. And then the other one is the same as this one without the owl, the, the bird, the owl. Okay. So these are three variations of the same word. So this is pointing to the place name, uh, Kemet. All right. So, you know, hopefully that that's what you're asking about. But okay, so um, mm. all right, let's do this. Let me do this. Let me do this exercise with you real quick. So, so here we have. Can you see my screen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Go ahead. You can see my screen. All right. So look, now mm. we we have a place name. We have a toponym. All right. Okay. The, these two examples are two variations of the same place. Two two uh, of the same word, mm-hmm. and, and this is Abu. All right. Now, this is the capital of the first gnome of Upper Kemet near modern-day Aswan. All right? Mm-hmm. So, all right. Now, the word Abu by itself, if you see the elephant here, it's a oh. it's a glyph for the word full word Abu. It means elephant. Oh. Now, the next one is the word fully spelled out. Mm-hmm. Abu. And now mm-hmm. the ele- the the elephant glyph is used in a different way now. It's used as a determinative here. Right here mm-hmm. is used as a word. A whole word. Here's a mm-hmm. determinative. Mm-hmm. And it means elephant. Mm-hmm. So now. Now what I want you to check out is this third uh, word. What I did. What I did was I put the elephant. All I did was place a man and a woman and three strokes next to the elephant. And can you see this? Well, I tell you, Unc done got up while in the middle. I'm trying to sh- uh, show something, but I know you all can see this. No, no, hold on. I seen the three, the three sets up, and I seen the three strokes that you put in there. Absolutely, go ahead. Yeah, but I'm asking you a question. Go ahead, ask the question. So I'm asked. So because this word means elephant, right? The two words right here mean elephant. Uh-huh. So. This is the logic. So what I'm explaining is the faulty logic that people are having with this word Kemet. All right. Remember, 
They're, mm-hmm. Remember, they're, they're, they're saying that because these two glyphs right here mean black, they're saying uh-huh. that, that the word Kim means black, that it's describing the people mm-hmm. as black people. So I'm showing this with this, this example. This word means elephant. Mm-hmm. So if I were to do the same and put a man and a woman in three uh, strokes here, is this saying, my question to you is, is this saying elephant people? No, don't suppose, no, that's wrong. Don't suppose we say elephant people. So what do you think this word means? If, if, if. People, if, elephant people of this place, right? Yeah. It's not, uh-huh. it's not describing the people as elephants, right? No, hell no, that's dumb. Right, the Egyptians would never describe people as elephants. They wouldn't call people elephants as if they're describing the, the way these people look. Mm. Okay, so let me do, I'm going to do another example. Here's another toponym. These are, this is two variations of the same place. Again, mm-hmm. the place is called Khat. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is called the fish gnome, which is the 16th gnome of Lower Kemet. Okay, these are two ways that this word is represented mm-hmm. in text. Mm-hmm. All right, you see the big fish right here, right? Yes, I do. All right, now these are places. Mm-hmm. So if we were to use that same logic, the, this, these two glyphs by itself is the word khat, which means sharp-nosed fish. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, so if I just put a man and a woman here and three strokes here, is that now saying sharp-nosed fish people? No. <laughs> no. So what is it saying? Oh, the people of what's the place again? The people of the fish gnome of of the sixteenth gnome. gnome. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not describing the people as fish. Mm-hmm. It's not saying they look like fish. Nope. So why is it? Why is it that when it comes to Kemet, all of a sudden that logic goes out the window and they say that this is describing the people? And see, so 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 no matter how you look at it, people are are you know using inconsistent logic, even when they try to say that this means black people. He say there is a correlation between fertile land and dark matter, Wuja. Okay, man. Hold on. We, we're, gonna, we're gonna get to that. So I just want I just want people to understand that. <laughs> dark matter, really? Mm. Okay, yeah. so so that's that anyway i'm trying to look for any more questions you see any more questions oh somebody somebody zane montego asks was there black and white people in in kimmich uh brother first of all we have to understand Uh oh that (laughs) yes that our modern concepts of these racial constructs the the race the the racial construct social construct of race did not exist in ancient times in fact white people did not even become a concept until the, the 1800s uh, all right uh, and 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 that that's a very important point you have to understand that so when we say black and white people that's our modern day understanding and 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 conditioning of the social constructs we deal with today those did not exist in ancient times nope Sorry. Sorry, Charlie. Nope. 1800s. Remember that. Charles Darwin beat that up. Destroyed all that. Scientific racism. Remember that? 
That social construct of race, nope, nope, wasn't there. Egyptians wasn't even doing it that way. They had, they, they dealt with nations. That's why it was important to name their land the right way. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so another question is, um, is there a correlation between fertile land and dark matter? So they're asking the question, is there a correlation? Uh, okay, to answer that question, uh no no absolutely not and the re and the reason why is because dark matter is not actually matter no nope. dark sure. matter dark matter is actually a calculation yeah and, and if you if you were to google go go to youtube and um go to youtube and search for neil degrasse tyson on dark matter and you'll see him explain it where um where dark matter is a mathematical calculation and even he he says that it shouldn't be called dark matter he should you should call it something like fred or something so people won't ever think of it as actual matter they don't know what it is what it is 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 that there is a uh a calculation of gravity that they can't account for and they're just calling it dark because they can't account for it but then you know people added you know they call it dark matter but it's not matter. So there's no correlation at all to that. So uh, hold up. Gravity. Can you hear me? Say it again. Yeah. Yesterday thing is the starting stages of gravity. Got a whole article on that. But no, dark man is dark because they can't find it. it. And how do they know it's there though? They know it's there because the universe is speeding up and it's pulling away from each other. It's pulling away. So they understand based off of that, that there has to be something there that's actually forcing this to happen. Yeah, so right. so so they're observing the effect, but they don't know they, they don't right. know exactly right. what so, is. So so come on, dude. You having fun. We call that having fun around here. You having fun. You forgot we scientifically littered around here. Well, you can't get that off on us, man. Nice try though, bro. No, no, that, well now they just asked the question. They they weren't making a claim. Uh you asking that, that question. Um <laughs> Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see if there's any more. Ancient Africans knew about racism. Brother Wuja, I strongly disagree. The Hittites were Caucasians and they were very vocal about it. So ancient Africans knew. Okay. The Hittites. Oh, this is Admiral. They spoke in you got to read, read the name. Who Who's that? Admiral, Admiral. Majai. Mm hmm. He says, Brother Wujao, I strongly disagree. The Hittites were Caucasians mm -hmm. and and they were very vocal about ancient ancient Africans knew about racism. Uh brother, you know, that's you know, your opinion is noted, but um what I'm saying is that the social construct that we have today of, you a fool, of, yeah. of these uh of these races did not come about until recent times. There's a video where a scholar has actually uh, demonstrated the birth of the white race. Now I don't the mean- black lady, right? Black lady, right? No, no, it's a, uh, it's a European lady. It's a European lady, she gives a lecture. It's on YouTube. Oh, the white, black lady, you wrote the book, The White Race. Nope, nope, I saw that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about okay. there's a European lady that has done an actual study on this. She actually shows the documentation 
where where um, white as a race was actually born and made legal. And so uh, she goes through the whole thing. And, and that was the birth of of the white race as a as a term and description for um, a class of people. Not that these people are literally white. Nobody is the color of, of the page that y'all see on the screen. No. So so it is a it is a class of people. And she does an excellent job of. of so I would, I would recommend. As a matter of fact, as we're talking, I'm going to find the um the link and, and show that. So, uh, let me do that. So, 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 um, but so, so when, when the brother says he, he disagrees that the uh, Hittites were Caucasian, when you, when you even say that they're Caucasian, you're saying that they, that you're talking to them either about a taxonomic classification of Caucasian when they do a skull, um, the taxonomy of skulls where they, where they say you got Negroid or Caucasoid skulls or whatever the case is or you're referring to people that are from the area of the Caucasus Mountains or whatever the case is. Right. I was about to say that Caucasus Mountain. That's why they Caucasus Caucasian Caucasus Mountain. So all white people aren't from the Caucasus Mountains. The Hittites surely ain't. Look, look it up. Look at the Hittite Empire. They weren't considered Europeans. They never thought themselves to be Europeans because the Brits uh, the, the, German, the Russians don't think they're Europeans neither. Nah, man. Come on, y'all. So I'm going I'm to I'm find this thing. So y'all, uh, I can't see the comments, so I don't know if there's any other, any other questions. Somebody, who do, you, you deleting the comments out there? Who doing that? Nah, I'm not doing it. I'm not deleting any. Who is doing that? Only people that sure. can do that. Huh? I said only people that can do that will be moderators. Damn, man, I'm trying to read the damn comment. You, you racing them out of that, man. God damn. Take the fun away. Lord have mercy. Mm -mm -mm. Damn. <laughs> Yo, call. Yo, says you dumb because you know the dark matter. <laughs> no correlation with dark matter in, in creation. You're a fool, Wuja. <laughs> what? What? Say it. Nah, read it. Read it. Read it. I can't understand that. Say it again. He said no. He said no correlation between dark matter and creation. You're a fool. <laughs> wait, wait. He's saying. Hold up. See the way you be reading questions, man. I'm trying to figure out who said no what or what. No correlation with dark matter. With dark matter. And creation, you're a fool, Jai. You just you just spoke on it. What dark matter was? They don't know what it is. So how in the hell can you make a correlation with something if you don't even know what it is, bro? Every knowledge, you don't even know what it is, man. Stop reading them pseudo books, man. Okay, I know, but see, that's not a question for me. They they're just they're just talking. So I I already said, look up Neil deGrasse Tyson. Do. In inside of YouTube, search Neil deGrasse Tyson and the word dark matter together. Search that, and then you're going to pull up a video where Neil deGrasse, a couple of videos, not just one. There's a couple of videos where Neil deGrasse Tyson explains exactly what dark matter is not and how people are misled by the name and what it is. It's actually a calculation. Thanks. It's not even matter. 
Okay, it's a calculation. Just like people think energy is some type of substance, it's not. Energy is a calculation. It's yeah. a it's a property of matter. All right, so people gotta understand what they're talking about. So again, I'm asking for questions. Like people are gonna make statements and stuff. That's that's a different story. But but just so, just so people will know, the um the lady's name is Jacqueline Batalora Batalora. That's B A T T A L O R A. I'm going to see if I can type it in. It's called Birth of a White Nation. I recommend everybody to watch that video. It's only 30, 40 minutes long. Okay. And it's it's a, a brief lecture where she's uh, talking about the reasons why the white nation as a, as a term was even invented and created. And it's very interesting. So watch that. But my point was, is that our modern notions of race did not exist in ancient times. It just didn't exist. They, they had distinctions. So I'm not so. So let me clarify. I'm not saying that people in ancient times did not make distinctions between groups of people. What I'm saying is that the criteria for these distinctions are not were not the same as what we use today. All right. So, for example, today you got on one extreme a red bone guy or girl all the way to your dark, darkest of dark. And we'll we'll name that whole spectrum of people. We'll say they're black. So it's it's it's, it's just really an arbitrary uh, type of labeling that we have uh, been conditioned to use today. And this is what we deal with in our world today. Mm -hmm. The black people, the land of the black people. It's the whole damn planet. Black. Crazy. So I'm trying to see if there's any more questions, though. Are you saying that humans never differentiated themselves before a book based on likeness? No, that's what I just said. So so uh, this is from uh, Pan-African Designs and Apparel. Um, no, what I'm saying is that people definitely differentiated themselves from other groups of people. But they did not use the same criteria that we use today. Our notions of these differences today is very modern. And it was and is dominated by Europeans. Europeans have created the rules of today. Okay, and they have a class system that we call uh social the social concept of race. It's really a class system. And, and they use colors to describe different levels of the class. And we think that they're talking about appearance and they're not because most people that we say are black are not the actual color black. Just like white people are not really white. No, red, yellow, orange, all kind of colors, but they ain't white. Exactly. They're not uh, actually white. So the colors are used as classification labels. And notice that we don't even say yellow and red no anymore. We we still say black, white. Then then we switch to continents, Asian. We say black, white, Asian. <laughs> People don't even say yellow or or whatever. Or red for uh, Native Americans. That's how it used to be: black, white, yellow, and red. So they use these colors as as level labels, la labels of of level levels on a hierarchy. Where white, derogatory where, now. Where, where white was always on top. White was on the top. Yeah. So I hope that's clear. 
Mm. So, uh, I'm just trying to say, all right, Admiral Majay said, Brother Adwajau, do you have some knowledge you can share with us about pre-dynastic ancient Egypt, Mastaba burials? Who was these ancient African rulers? I just um, gave the city. Well, well, Abydos. Abydos. Well, but but let me just let me just put it in perspective because devil zero one what? Well, nah, nah. See, we we ain't gotta go that far. You got you got to deal with the question. So the brother's asking. He said, "Do you have some knowledge you can share with us about the pre-dynastic Egyptian mastaba burials?" So his question is, "Who was these ancient African rulers?" You have to remember that the writing system was not invented or created until around 3320 or 3350 BCE. So prior to that, any any people or burials you find is not going to be named where I can tell you, where I can answer the question of who. The only thing that we can say is where, not who. Where was the body found? So you saying they don't got pre-dynastic glyphs? You weren't saying say that, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, am I saying what? Say it again. You saying they had pre the glyphs in the pre-dynastic times? No, I'm saying that the that the first attestation of the ancient Egyptian writing system dates back to 3320 to 3350 BCE. Because you got Aha and Menace. That's. That's still after that. Remember, the first, when I say first attestation, that's I what I mean. What? The first attestation. All right, go ahead. That's found in Abju. Right, yep. Abydos, in, mm -hmm. tomb, in tomb UJ. Mm -hmm. they, they were labels for commerce. They had, to, they had to take inventory, and so they started labeling products and commerce trade, and items. Great trading sales. Exactly. So... Prior, to, uh, prior, yeah, 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 yeah. prior. I'm, what I'm, my point is prior. What, what, hold on, what number you, you said? What? What date you say? Thirty-three twenty to thirty-three fifty BCE. Damn, well, I thought it was like thirty-six or thirty-three something. Something. All right, go ahead. Right, go ahead. Trading sales the first joints. Go ahead. Uh, uh, go ahead. Well, I'm saying my my point is that prior to that, you're not going to find a name to say to answer the question of who. You can only talk about where these people were found, and it, and if you want to uh, the generic the general who in terms of are are they African or are they Asian or are they this and that, then um, then these people were African. You know, yeah, if, if where else would they be? Where else would they be? If that's the if that's you know that's what they're asking about. Yeah, got a couple good websites on that too though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, here's another question. Um, it was recently stated that the Kemet used in denoting the country may mean wetland, and the smaller toponyms known as Kemet may mean black people or land. How would this apply? That's um incorrect. <laughs> um, Shutting down. As a matter of fact, let me just show everybody uh, this slide here real quick. They throwing pictures. They throwing pictures, knocking them out the park. Throwing pictures. 
Okay, this is what throwing pitches. This is something that um was brought up. And let me pull it up. Let me find it. Okay, this is something that was brought up. Uh I gotta find it. Okay, here it is. And I think people can see my screen. Okay, so this is a picture that was brought up, and, and and people are using this. This is uh the pyramid text utterance six seventy four. All right, and and this is from um a slide taken from um, brother Reggie's presentation. All right, so um, sorry about that, brother Reggie. Sorry about that. So, um. Reggie, Reggie, looking at this, this right is, now with his pen. This is this is used to this was used in an attempt by Brother Reggie to to try to discredit the fact that the earliest uh, known instance of the word Kemet being used for the for the country, the kingdom as a whole, was the 11th Dynasty. So Reggie pulled this up as a um, as a way to disprove that, but in fact, uh, the Brother Reggie was incorrect because this this word right here is not even the word Kemet; it's the word Kemetiu. And it's the word commit to you because I'm going to show what that word means. Mm -mm -mm. Let me find this real quick. Hi, oh my. So my mother used to say, yo, when she had me, she knew I was all wrong. She'd be like, my, oh my. <laughs> okay. So the word commit to you, um, that, ty oh, the, that type of word, and I'm trying to make it as, as a, a plain as I can. The word commit to you is what's called a relational adjective. And it is the same thing that I showed you all earlier when I when I went through the toponyms and I was comparing the toponyms uh, like, this, like this right here. Jamaica becomes Jamaican. So Kemet as a toponym becomes commit to you in the language. So let me show you some more examples. So here's the toponyms on the left and here are relational adjectives on the right. So the toponym for the first one is the word duat. That's a place, okay? This is the underworld or or what people call the the Egyptians heaven, you know, the underworld or the afterlife, okay? It's a place, the duat. Now the peep the people that re that reside there are called duatiu. It means it means those who reside there or belong to or are from there. Mhm. Mm we have the next word is Irem, which is a place. The people who live there or from there or belong there are called the, the Eremtiu. That's what you see on the right-hand side, Eremtiu. All right. You have another place, the West, Amentet, which is the West. And then we have the word Amentiut. It's a feminine, so we say Amentiut. It means those who are of the West. We call them Westerners. And you may hear it in the phrase, Kenti Amentiu, the foremost of the Westerners. All right. So we have another toponym, Aket, which is a place, the horizon. The people who belong to the horizon or from the horizon or reside at the horizon are called Aketiu. So what am I saying? I'm saying you take the toponym, you change it to a relational adjective by adding the masculine Nisbi ending to you. So now when I go back up to this word for Egypt, 
here in pyramid text 674 it is the word commit to you this is the tu bird here commit to you all right and so where i explain it let me just go back to my slide where i'm explaining what this is so it means those who belong to or reside in kemet now this particular kemet in the pyramid text is not the whole kingdom of Kemet. This particular Kemet in the pyramid text, when you read the whole text, is talking about one location that's known today as um, Athribis or Athribis. All right. And so this says the first line, these are two, two lines next to each other, right? The first line says, you shall stand before in front of the Chinook which are um, what they call chapels, like the deity men. This is the deity men, like the deity men. Next line, it says, you shall stand before, commit to you, those of the, the, the location called Kemet, at that particular time, which was one small spot, like the deity Apis. All right? That's what it's saying. So it's referring to a small place. So again, it's, it's not talking about black people. It's talking about place. These are toponyms. And and it's to tra transform a toponym into a demonym, um, as I showed before. Just like we say Jamaica, and we want to call the people that live there, we say Jamaicans. So it would be like Kemet and Commissions. That's what it means. <laughs> Okay, Admiral Majay says the duat is a black hole. It's where your spirit is going when you're dead. Yeah, see? <laughs> yeah. Um, these these people have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> everyone, everyone, no. Listen, listen. Let me let me tell y'all. Let me tell y'all. Yeah. See, this is this this this. Ooh. No, this. Ooh. Wait, wait. This is why it is a problem in the, the social community because people will say anything and hope it sticks. First of no, all, believe that though. They really, really, yo. Someone told them that, like, somebody told them that. First of all, a black hole, uh, the gravity is so strong in the black hole right, that yes. that that you're you're not you, you wouldn't even be able to get close enough to a black hole. Right. And 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 one, even if you say the spirit, et cetera, et cetera, in the actual literature of the ancient Egyptians, they talk about all these different things that take place in the duat, how it has 12 gates, 12 areas or 12 chambers or 12 caves, 12 whatever. You have different hours of the duat. And actually, Ra, if people believe the sun now check this out. Uh, people mm. believe people believe Ra is the sun, and the sun every night goes in the duat. Right. So the question is, does the sun go into a black hole every night? <laughs> <laughs> the sun does not go into into a black hole every night to emerge the next day, but yet the sun goes through the duat and goes through the twelve or Ra 
goes through the 12 gates of the Duat. And so like Ra, the deceased person also travels those 12 hours. And then, and then uh, they meet up with Osir and they become one to rejuvenate and then continue their journey until they're, um, until they're manifested again or they come back into being, which is represented by the scarab. Mm-hmm. So to come to being to transform. It's <laughs> my favorite dude right there. Kepra. Yeah. So so I'm just asking any more questions because you know we've been on here. It's, it's I, I got five more minutes. I'm gonna get five more minutes. Yeah, and, we did too much already, man. We trying to get the simplest possible, yo. Simple as this. Let me let's recap. All right, go ahead. You recap because I want I want to hear your understanding of everything. I'm gonna start off with. Let me, let me put it back on you, so everybody. Black planet. I'm, I'm gonna start off with the, the, the majority of inhabitants on planet Earth, based off of the fact that the sun is shining at certain temperatures at different longitude and latitudes, right? It will cause the majority of the people to have brown skin. First people always had darker brown skin, based off of where the longitude and latitude where they lived at. It's called the equator. People spread from the equator. And it's spreading from the equator, these people uh, grew lighter. All right. So for the first 300,000 years, everybody was brown on the planet. I'm going to say this again. For the first 300,000 years, everybody was brown, brown, dark, black on the planet. Right. And so these river cultures and river civilizations being birthed on a daggone equator made no sense to call themselves black or brown people because that's all they ever seen. All right. So if you take your time and think about that, you know, you, you know, you, you're kind of in trouble. It's like calling yourself, it's like being in Asia and calling yourself the chink eyes, the chink eye tribe. You'll never be able to find them because everybody got chinky eyes. Wouldn't make any sense. So let's never forget that the whole conversation was automatically in checkmate because Kimmin is a place name. And place names are for what? Place name describes places. So if I say I was born in Prince George's County, Prince George is a prince, Prince George, right? But now the name of the county is Prince George's County. It's no longer talking about Prince George's. It has become a place name. Simple. These were those who cannot understand metanature. Furthermore, although skin color is important, that is not what Kemet was about. It was about those who had the ability to deal with logistics, the oldest written form, like Brother Wuja said, is found in Abju, but it's on trading seals. Look up Gunther Dreyer's work. All right, so you missed the engineering, you missed the medicine, all right, you missed the uh, uh, um, the mathematics. They reached pi. Look at the pyramids, it's pi. All these things, but yet you worried about the color of their skin. So the fact that you say they the black people, that does not help your case. It's the place names that help you help your case because you find these place names all over in Africa. If you look at the Platocene, during the Platocene, you'll find all these river systems are connected. I'm gonna say it again. Look at the Platocene. All these river set river systems are connected. Look at the Sahara. It's called the Sahara because it's a desert. But before it was a desert, it was the Sahara, green Sahara. It was green. 
Based off the tilt wobble of the earth, the monsoon rains left and went back down south. And when it went back down south, it turned to a desert. So we put that all watered area, all of these things. So these place names are very important as uh, attested at UNESCO. And I forget the scholar's name. He talked about these place names. You know what I'm saying? And he talked about how all these place names are found in Africa. So, so we now understand no matter what, without even dealing with the skin color, because skin color will always fool you. We know without a shadow of a doubt that Kemet, right, resides in Africa and African people started Kemet based off of the real understanding of the place names. So that little trick they call the, uh, what the what's it called? What kind of tea? I want to almost call it the circle T. I don't know why it's that gas station circle C, right? Based off of that little rule that everybody thinking, no, that rule does not overthrow a place name. No, the, the rule the rule doesn't exist like how they're trying to explain it. It's it's really it's like I said, it's really the the to bring up that rule is really to divert the conversation. It's to cover up the fact that they that they're not focused uh, and paying attention to the fact that Kemet is a top of them. One and two. They're invoking a rule that they themselves don't understand. So they don't understand that that any that when you say masculine or feminine, you're only you're only talking about triggers for for a, a grammatical feature called concordance or agreement. That's it. That's all that means. That's all that a feminine or masculine uh, gender uh, yeah. does to words. That's it. That's all it does. That's all it does. So if the noun is feminine and I want to describe it with an adjective, that means the adjective got to be feminine. If I want to uh, modify it with a demonstrative, that has to be feminine. It's just, or if it's masculine, I have to, it has to be masculine. That's it. Same thing in Spanish. Let's do it in Spanish. In Spanish. Oh, yeah. El, yeah. El Chapo. I said El Chapo. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, El Chapo. But I mean, let's 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 use a word that exists in both genders. So we have El Chico, we have La Chica, mm -hmm. El Chico La Chica, and so you have to have the gender it match. You can't say La Chico. That will a Spanish teacher will tell you that's incorrect. La Chico. It's supposed to be La Chica, El Chico. It would argue you down. Right. So so you even the way Spanish verbs are conjugated, it has to match the subject the same way in English. I am, he is, they are. Even in Spanish, you, you uh, like the verb uh, quiere, which means to want. If I say I want, I have to say yo quiero. If I want to say you want, I have to say tú quieres. Yo, tie, yo quiero and tú quieres. Tú quieres, yo tie, quiero. So if I say yo quiero, that means I want. Tú quieres means you want. Ella and L is for the uh, other pronouns. And so you have to conjugate the verb according to the subject. Mm -hmm. All of this is called concordance or agreement. In those instances, it's called the verb subject agreement. And what I was talking about is called the gender uh, agreement uh, of concordance for uh, as a substantive being the trigger. And then all the other words have to agree. That's what it is. That's all it is. And so when they're talking about 
is based on a feminine T rule that the assembly of words and stuff like that, man, that that's how you automatically know. Now, see, the thing is, is that the average person is not going to know right. that 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 what they're saying doesn't even make sense. Yeah. And so this is what I mean by by sometimes you all you all have to pay. You all have to pay attention to what people are saying because they will bring up things to divert and to cover up their own ignorance. They'll throw some words out there and use them incorrectly. Um, and so this is what we have going on. And I'm, I'm not talking about just this whole meaning of Kemet uh, talk. I'm talking, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about all, a lot of times you'll see that. When we talk about evolution, people do the same thing. Oh man, it's just a theory. <laughs> That's my favorite one to smack out the park. Yeah, it's, it's just a theory. That means they don't know what a theory it means. Yeah, you're just a theory. How about that? You're just a damn theory. How about that one? You know, so so people are going to have to uh, really start peeping it. And then people downplay the determinatives. And and, and notice <laughs> that even, even, even when people want to use uh, Coptic, right, there's a lot of focus on Coptic. Why don't you use Coptic? Why don't you use Coptic? Um, what people have to understand is that Coptic does not use determinatives. So, 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 wow. so Stop. you say what? Coptic, huh? What happened? Coptic does not use determinatives. It's a trick, boy. And, and so where we, we, we practice to deceive. Now, why, why is that? Why does that matter? See, it matters because as I'm going to show again, let me pull this up one more time. Mm -hmm. So look, it it matters because of this right here. Because once you downplay determinatives and see anybody that brings up and focus on Coptic, it's along the same game or lines of trying to to downplay the determinatives. The determinatives in the writing system is what helps shape the meaning of the lexical root, the root word. And so the focus on the word Kemet is water. And so when you go to Coptic, you're not going to see these determinatives. So you don't know what it's focused on. <laughs> and so it could be any word. So of course, if the adjective black exists in middle Egyptian, the, the adjective black is going to exist in Coptic because Coptic, as they say, is the last stage of Egyptian. But again, it takes you back to the original question. Why choose that one? We already know that it exists. You know, so people got to understand what the actual question is versus what people are, are changing it to be to, to try to win an argument. So toponym alone knocks it out the park. They can't talk about people. And by the way, I think we, I think we need to stress this. Shekanta Diop. Shekanta Diop argued against hypothesis one. Remember. Oh the, man, the, we forgot to beat that up there when you Right. So remember, 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 the Europeans are saying that the word Kemet means black land. Diop was against that, and he's the one that said, nope, it doesn't mean black land, it means black people. So you got people out here that are accusing Asar Imhotep of going against Diop, but yet they themselves are trying to prove that it means black land. Which is going, going against Diop. Which is going against Diop. So, so you see the game that's being played, and I'm telling y'all, y'all have to peep game when it comes time to these arguments. So that's why, you know, me, I I rather teach, 
And so, like, I'm, I'm trying not to even get into too many details because of time and all that kind of stuff. And plus, I have a class. Matter of fact, I need to do a plug, man. Y'all, y'all plugging, y'all. Uh, everybody's plugging, plugging and plugging and plugging. So, this all, this is this what I want y'all to do. I want y'all to check out two websites. SeshMetalNature.com, which is the home of the Seshu Ma'ani Metal Nature. All right. That's us. And we got blogs, articles on there on, on different things, transla uh, transliterations, translations done by students um, or, and members mm -hmm. of the Seshu Mani Metal Nature. All right. We got a library on there for, for a lot of resources and all kinds of stuff. So go to that. Check it out. Bookmark that. And then another website I want you all to check out. If you're interested in learning the language, go to Sable University. The website is on the, on the screen. Go there. And look for if you're a beginner, you're interested, look for the beginners, uh, the beginners class, the beginner study course. And there's another study course for the grammar. All right. So we got both of those going on. You could you could join in any time. OK, you could come in anytime. You could register and enroll anytime. So remember, bookmark both of these things. Check it out when you can. And if you want to learn more about the things that Asar was saying, what I was saying, and all that kind of stuff, and about this question and many other questions, just come and learn. All right, it's open to anybody. No discrimination. We, you know, we, you know, we teach. All right. So hey, they're gonna have to. Um, you know, we we also have class live. All right. Uh, Black Dot Bookstore Cultural Center in Lithonia, Georgia. Google Black Dot Bookstore and Cultural Center. Uh, the home of the Amara Squad. All right, the home of all the groups, Massey Clan Warriors, Shawshu, Monty Matter, Natchez, Dagger Squad, right? All of them will be in that store teaching. All right, so we got brick and mortar. I'm gonna say it again. We have brick and mortar. We got the internet on lock, right? We got the book game on lock, got the shoe game on lock, got the hoodies, you know what I'm saying? The designs, Egyptian, African designs got the no religion, right, on lock. You know what I'm saying? Like, so really, why don't even play, right? This is the difference between pseudo, right? Pseudo gonna always be stuck on YouTube, right? Pseudo gonna be, I'm the I'm the student of. Well, if you ain't got no piece of paper saying you the student of, you're not the damn student of nothing. I know Wuja students get a, a plaque or get some kind of paperwork to prove they completed the course. Right or wrong, Wuja? Yes, yeah, certifications. Certification. So if you ain't got no certifications and if you ain't got no daggone uh, something and something, then you ain't no damn student. I don't want, I'm a student of Dr. Ben. What are you talking about? Where's the paper that's proving it? I don't want to hear that. It's time out for all that. Just say you listened to it. You read his books. You listened to his damn tape. Say that. I went to a couple of his lectures. That don't mean you're a student of it. When we say student, we mean you actually took a course with the brother and completed the daggone course. That's what we talk about. All right? So I know what some of you say, y'all student. Right? That mean that y'all, you know, y'all deal with information. But we're saying that a student, right, because I'm talking to people throwing that around. I'm a student. There's something that I don't want to hear no more. I'm talking time out. You know what I'm saying? How they say Don't wake the sleeping giant. Okay, plain and simple. Don't do it. Be on your head from here to now forever. No, nah, I'm just playing. We ain't got time for that. <laughs> yeah, 2000 and uh. Oh, hold up. Somebody else talking? 
Oh, say something. Oh yeah, my I think my audio. So so stay uh, stay 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 put real quick. Um, I gotta come out and come in. So that was the brother Garfield. Y'all already know. Shout out to Naya Naya. Shout right. out to Dr. Oyamaya. Mel Trex is in here. Hotep, I'm, I'm back. Just let you know. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Smash Rock Wells. Got a few new songs coming out. Uh, uh, what else, who else we got? I'm looking for the questions, man. I thought I thought people have some more uh, questions. I mean, people asking about dark matter and stuff. I mean, man. Hmm. Who I leave out? Oh man, damn, brother Nahisi. Good God Almighty! <laughs> Why the forgot your boy, brother Nahisi? Shout out to you, bro. Massey Clan Warriors, brother Ben. Sean, he's in here. All right, who else we got? Man. Mm. Yeah, I think we didn't beat the brakes off of it, yo. They're going to come. Be, trust me, when they come back, yo, they're going to be a whole lot of flim flam, boom bam, walking fool. All right, trust well, me. I'm going to let everybody know that, that uh, Brother Wajau is not going to be carrying this conversation over uh, and keep repeating over and over again. You know, we, we're trying because, see, pe what, what people are going to have to understand is that. This is a linguistic question. When, whenever you're trying to figure out or ascertain the meaning of a word, it's really a, a linguistic um, journey. And if people are not willing to at least learn the basics and take their time with this, then it's just going to be the, the, the everyday, you know, the usual back and forth things that happen in the conscious community. And it's not beneficial that way. So people need to slow down, get with some folks, have good discussions, beneficial discussions. And mm. and walk through the information, you know. So I so like I said, I I teach. So if people want to learn about the 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 actual feminine T rules, the um the Nisby rules, uh, how um adjectives can function as substantives because they're always nouns, but how they function as substantives, when and where do they function as substantive? Where you have adjectival uh, sentences, adverbial sentences nonverbal sentences, nominal sentences, all those kinds of things, and you want to learn about all that stuff, then you you come talk to me. All right? Because that's what we deal with. That's what we that's what we study, that's what we teach. And 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 all this stuff will be crystal clear. Um to you. <laughs> that's a lot of shit to know though, bro. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So so you know this conversation we're that's trying to point though. We're trying to, you get that's the point. It's a lot of stuff to know. 
So don't come in trying to debate it until you know it, you debate it. We looking foolish, man. A whole lot of fluff around a whole bunch of nonsense, man. People um, mad, don't want to be your friend no more. Come on, man. Ain't even that serious, man. It ain't. Okay, Admiral uh, Medjay said, says, Brother uh, Wujao, we need an entire show about ancient Nubia. Now, what do you think? Um, yeah, we, we've done one a couple before. We don't, you know, that's not a bad thing to uh, revisit. But let me say this, though, that uh, I'm going to leave, I'm going I'm to um, put this on your mind. Uh, Nubia was not called Nubia. No, he killed me. Oh, here you go. All right, I just, I just want everybody to know that Nubia was not called Nubia and the Nubians were not called Nubians. All right, Racism so, a little bit, wasn't it, bro? Yeah, the, um, and I'm, and y'all have to, y'all have to be careful now, I know Nubia and Nubians is a popular word that everybody uses today, but I'm going to tell you, you got to be careful with it because it is a result of the continuation of this racist academic push from early Egyptology. All right. And I'm going to tell you why real quick. The gist of it is that, remember, the European scholars from the birth of Egyptology up until uh, today, they have always... Uh, acquiesced to the fact that everybody south of Egypt was black. Like, they, they never argued against that. So, in other words, they always give us south of Egypt as black and, you know, African and all that kind of stuff, all right? The question always was the e Egypt itself, okay? So, what they did, they claimed that Egypt was a product of either Asians or Europeans, not Af black Africans. Mm -hmm. And they designated everybody south of Egypt as black Africans. And this comes from Greeks calling Egypt Egyptos and everything south of that Ethiops or Ethiops. So you had Ethiops versus Egyptos. And so everything in Ethiops was black and the people were black. <coughs> okay. So now that changed to the word Negro. And now they changed the word Negro into Nubian. So when you use the word Nubian, you're following that same train of thought. And that's why they call the 25th dynasty of Kemet the the um the era of the Nubian rulers or the black pharaohs, as if to say that the pharaohs before that were not black. So y'all see the game. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. And then two, it was just never called Nubia. Nubia, I'm gonna tell y'all something. <laughs> Nubia is actually two places within Kemet. I'm gonna repeat. Nubia was actually two places within the borders of Kemet. But mm -hmm. but when everybody says Nubia nowadays, they're trying to describe down below Kemet in Sudan. Uh today mm -hmm. today Sudan. But that was never called Nubia. It was called Ta Nahisi. So the people were called the Nahisiu, those who reside in Ta Nahisi. All right? And, and in there, you had the kingdom of Kush or Kash, as the Egyptians call it, Kash. You have different communities. You have the Iram. You have the Wawet. You have the um, uh, a couple of more. You had the uh, Magi. Uh, that was a place uh, in, in, uh, in that region called Ta-Nehisi. It wasn't mm -hmm. called Nubia. Nubia is really two cities today known as Ombos and Kom Ombo. Ombos and Kom Ombo. Google Ombos and Kom Ombo, and you'll find out that the uh, Egyptian name for those two cities is called Nubti or Nupt. 
which means the city of gold or gold city that was within the borders of Kemet. So the real original Nubians are Egyptians who lived in those two cities. So it's, it's a game being played. So y'all be careful with that. So, you know, we could do a show on that, but I just want y'all to know that, that, you know, I don't call the people Nubians. Now, I know today, even the people who live there now, they, they refer themselves Nubians because the X group of the, of the, yeah, they got, they got Nubian X group, Nubian C group and all that stuff they use yeah, today. We the a. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did it. We did. They took our damn channel down. We did all that, man. Like, come on, man. Matter of fact, got a plaque in a Nubian class I took. Me, Smash, we took a Nubian class, so it was kind of serious. And so at times, the, the Nubians, well, what you call them, what you call them? Tanisiu. Yeah, yeah, they was enemies of Kemet, Kemet. And they called them the Hiscos, too. They called them foreign chieftains. But the cultures, you got to look at the culture, but the culture, Nubian culture and Egyptian culture could fit seamlessly within each other. Uh man, I don't know if I want to do this to to folks. I'm a, I, sh I should show them. Um... <laughs> Hold on, let me show this real quick. I want I want and I want I want your opinion. Huh? All right, what what's up? Real quick before we go. All right, look at this right here. All right, everybody can see this, right? So 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 these are uh, still shots of of old cartoons in America. Yeah. yeah. All right, now today we we would call these racist cartoons mm -hmm. right everybody can you know they can google or youtube they'll see this on youtube and it's mm -hmm. and everybody will identify these as, as racist cartoons okay so where my cursor go so like in the top left one um mm -hmm. you know you see the lips you see the uh earrings you see the uh the ankle and arm bracelet and the hair jewelry right Typ mm -hmm. typical of how how we think that white people see African people, us, all right, African descent. In the middle, you see the uh, the um, emphasis on the lips, right? Big lips, cheekbone. Look, 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 look at the cheekbones. The cheekbones are 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 you know stick out. The nose, everything. Okay, look at this one on the right. You see the lips. You see the earring. You see the hair, the hair jewelry and the neck jewelry. All right. So keep in mind the one here. You see the lips. You see the earrings. You see the hair jewelry again. You see the arm and uh, the arm uh, bracelets. Okay, and look at the, on the bottom right. You see the uh, earrings and the lips being pronounced. Okay, so my point here is that all of these today we would say, "Oh man, those are racist. White people doing that is racist," and so and so, so and so, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So now, the Egyptians, when they depicted the people that were south of them, their neighbors that were south of them. This is how they depicted them. It matches the same depictions as those cartoons. You see that? It matches the same depictions of the cartoons. You see the you see the lips pronounced. You see the uh, earrings, the large hooped earrings. You see the um, the nose and the cheek. All right. So let me show another uh, picture. Here's another one. You see the lips are pronounced you see the nose you see the uh creases in the cheek you see the earrings or the earring here here's another one you see the earring right here you see the creases in the cheek to make sure the cheek bones are are emphasized you see the lips and you see the nose 
All right, you see that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's how the Egyptians depicted their southern neighbors. Now, let me show you a picture when they're paying tribute. Because in these examples, these are our captives of war, right? So let's show where they're not captives of war. But look, we have the same thing. We have the earrings here, the necklaces, the cheek, the creases in the cheek. Even the darker painted ones has the crease in the cheek. Okay? So, and the lips are, are, are pronounced. Okay? So this is how the Egyptians depicted their southern neighbors. But when I go back to this picture here, we look at that and call this racist. But when we look at these pictures, we don't call it racist. So again, that's an example of inconsistent logic. These are not racist. That big. If they didn't make it that big, I would say. It ain't making that big. <laughs> you said what? I said them lists ain't that big, ain't as big as the cartoon, you know. The cartoon's a little bit out there, you know. Well, you didn't look up. Look at this right here. What do you call that? Yeah. What do you call oh, that? Man. I mean, yeah, like man, I'm, getting choked, yo. That's why he out there like that, yo. I'm making that rope on his neck. <laughs> Made it look big. Right, but I'm saying, I, I mean, I got a whole bunch of pictures, but we ain't got that time. So I'm, I'm saying the the point though is that this is how the Egyptians saw their southern neighbors. Ain't like them. No, no, it wasn't even about that. It wasn't about that at all. See, that's what I'm saying today. We got the concept of racism and stuff like that. I mean, you know, uh, we use colors and stuff for uh, the social construct of race. All right. But but I just want people to understand that that um, when we say Nubians, we're simply falling for the for the for the same game, the same line of thinking. All right. Um, here's a text where it actually uses the word Nahisi. Uh, the brother, uh, where's the brother's name? Admiral, uh, Admiral Medjay. This right here is the word, uh, oh, this is the word jam. Okay, you have a place called jam. You have a place, uh, this jam, you have the place, uh, uh, his Nahisiu. You have the place, uh, um, uh, Yamam. What they call it, or they say, or they simply translate it as yam, but it's imam, yam, or imam. Okay, and no, notice that this is the uh, jam nahisiu. The mm -hmm. man, you got some noise in the back. Make me out. All right, so we got uh, jam nahisiu, uh, yamam nahisiu, wawet nahisiu. Okay. So all of these people, we have even uh, uh, Kau, Nehisiu. Okay, so I just want everybody to understand that these are different uh, groups. These are different places. And people lived in these communities within the region called Nehisi, Ta Nehisi. This is from the inscription, by the way, this is from the inscription of uh, Winnie. Uh, some people may pronounce it uh Uni, or as as uh, this one has Una, but it's Winnie. The description of Winnie. Look it up. All right. So I want people to understand that. And this is the first part of that same here, same thing. So we have uh, Nahasi. 
Notice, notice this place here, Nahisi. We have the word Kosh. Everybody else calls Kush. All of this is in the same area. Nowhere will you find it being mentioned as Nubia. Okay, these are the indigenous names of these places. So if anybody wants to have a show on Nubia, first of all, we got to understand that we're not going to be using that word Nubia uh, in our discussion. Obviously, we have to straighten that out. All right, we got to identify exactly what is Nubia. And so people will know, uh, where is this at? We have um, Nakata, if you can see right here, Nakata. Nakata is an archaeological name for a, for a site. You have a Nakata 1, 2, and 3. But Nakata is next to one of the Kom Ombo or Ombos. And so Nakata is right next to the city of gold called Nub. So Nakata would, would actually be Nubia. And then there's another one that's not shown on this map. Uh, for the other one, there's two. And notice that this is within the borders of Kemet. Has always been. Kofi! What's up? Peace, 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 peace. What's going on, bro? What it do, Not man? Not much, man. How y'all doing? Hey. All right, we live, we live on the air. Hotel, nah, taking them heads off. You already know when they took the heads off. <laughs> hey, All man. right, I'm going to go back to mute. Yeah, we're not gonna be long. I'm, 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 I'm pretty much done, man. So, so that's all I wanted to share. I just want to share with everybody. It's trying to, trying to see what some of these questions were. Um, should have gave everybody the link, but you should have did. Told you. Say, give me the link. Give me the link. I did. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it must be people. Uh, let me repost the link. So, so. The friends, friends, and that's the squadron, yo. The squadron in there, man. Right, support loyal supporters. That's right. Getting the real information. Now, hey, let me tell y'all something, man. This is why the support of the Amara squad and making sure you're in the squadron, man. This is what this is what's important. Right now, the pseudo information is selling. Lectures up in New York. That's what's popping right now. The pseudo information. You got the grandmaster pseudos teaching right now. All right. So, man, y'all should feel privy. You know what I'm saying? Feel feel blessed, right? And I don't mean no no blessing for some invisible entity. Blessing from your people. They really care about you. They give you the real information. So you can take it back to your house, to your family, and ain't got your children right out there looking like idiots talking crazy. Oh, the first president was black. No, he's not gonna be in school. He or she's not gonna be in school spreading that that folly. They're gonna go back with very, very intelligent arguments, right? So, man, look, it's a blessing to have, you know, the team, to have the families. You know what I'm saying? It's a damn blessing. All dedicated to real, authentic scholarship. It's a blessing, man. Because right now what's popping is the pseudo ship. Trust me with that. $50 a ticket to get lied to and think you got something. $50 a ticket to get the black hours. I call it the black allergy where everything black. Everybody black. Hey, yeah, yeah, the black allergy. Right? Trust me with that. So, no, nah, man, the real teaching is going on these channels. Massey, man, brother Kofi in the building, 
Yeah, go. You, you want to learn something, go watch those. You want to learn about West Africa? Man, go to that channel, man. Take your time. Get, get your book out. Get your paper and pen. It's one of them. Right. You want to spend $50 getting miseducated? Go ahead. I don't mind. I think, you know, I like I, I like some of the brothers giving, you know, doing the um actually uh you know giving out giving the lectures and got the grand master pseudos teaching. It is what it is. So everybody like what they like, right? But the truth is, right, although you can like what you like, make sure that what you use to transform your life is not pseudo because it will not work. That's why we call it pseudo. It won't work. It won't work. So, you know, if you want to know about the daggone grammar, deal with a teacher that teaches grammar. Deal with a teacher that has a book on grammar. Simple. You want to know about astrophysics, you listen to astrophysics, right? You know how the world is created? You know, the astrophysics, they talk about these things. You want to know where people, how people transform on Earth? How, why they look the way they look? Why did you, you study evolution. You, you know what I mean? You don't go to the Bible for that. You don't go to the Quran for that, right? So, so, so we don't even know where to study at. If you want to learn about the natural world, you go to science. Look, science, knowledge to know. You want to know something, you got to go to science, right, to know. But what is it that scientists want to know? They seek to know the natural world. What is the natural world? Existence. What is existence? Existence is existence. See? Yeah, y'all ain't even catch that. No, y'all ain't catch that. So stop looking for the spooks. The world is right in front of you. The cosmos is right there. It's a beautiful place. The most fantastic thing to learn, uh, to, to actually grasp, is to get scientifically literate and see the diversity of the whole cosmos, man. What can be more beautiful than that? And for the record, no one has superpowers. No one can uh, 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 defeat nature. Nature is undefeated. All right, it's undefeated. No man made nature and no man or woman controls nature. Now, in the Bible, they control now the ocean. I'm going to split the Red Sea. I'm going to die and come back to life. I'm going to take the bread from heaven to manna. Oh, man, all of that. That's controlling nature. That's, that's why it's mythology. When you start controlling the force of nature, it's mythology, man. Come on, man. Hopefully, it's a deeper underlying teaching tool, information. But no man, that's what make it real. No man or woman can actually control nature. That's what it is. Right? So when you're looking for God, you control God because you need, you know, when you say God and, and call on God and ask God for favor, you're actually controlling God. But you can't control nature though. So obviously God must be man-made and nature is nature made, and we're all natural people, and we all our problems are natural. So if you really want to solve your problems, you go to nature, which is the real God. Ah, before the word. There you go. That's my little smell, man. Hey, 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 Kofi. Are uh, you having our presentation this week or what, bro? You on mute, you on mute. Yeah, I got uh 
Welcome. Uh, I think you checked out a little bit of the, the first one I did. Welcome back to the Omo Valley with the Cairo people. Where I used some of your stuff in your book about the oh. Homo sapiens and the sapiens, and then I went into the Cairo people in Omo Valley. Okay, okay, okay. That was a good one. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm going back in the Omo. I'm going back. It's called Welcome Back to the Omo Valley with the Hamra people. So I'll be talking about the Hamra people in the Omo Valley uh, this Sunday. Okay. What time, brother? 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. How long the lecture going to be? It's going to be an hour. It's going to be an hour. <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I said <laughs> it's an hour. I've been doing I've been doing an hour, hour and a half the longest, but it's going to be a good hour. Oh, man. I can't even do it. We about five hours right now, yo. We crazy as hell. Yeah, that's all I was going to say, man. We, 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 I'm, 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 uh, I'm talked out right now. I was trying, you know, because see, questions keep me up. They keep me going, you know. And I'm looking at the questions. I think everybody's pretty much understood. Like, the whole point of tonight is really to kind of um, explain things a little bit without getting too technical. And I think, you know, we got a little bit technical, but hopefully we, we kept it still um, feet on the ground with the technical uh, parts of it. You were playing though. What was the subject matter, uh, Wujau? Uh, basically, we were just trying to say, you know, in a common sense way, why why does Kemet not uh, mean uh, black, black people? people. And, oh. and, and, and really, really, I'm going to tell you, man, everything that we were saying was really just extra. It's like it's like extra gravy on the rice because because one statement just kills the entire argument of whether Kemet means black people. And that is um, topping him. All you got to do is just simply um say the word top of them and everybody will freeze in their tracks if, 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 what you think what you think i don't i, I mean everybody should have been ahead that by now he done went over the top of them. He done went over. i mean he done i mean if nobody is not clear on that i mean he even broke down the other different the different parts that I can't go into. What, what was the eponyms? The yeah, um, all those other names. He went into the, the the different categories, so people ought to have a better understanding of it now. I mean, my 11 year old son can understand. I let him look at it one night when he was going over the same thing, and my 11 year old can understand it. I don't understand why people can't understand that by now. But now, hold up, but that, but that's a, that's an important point, though. The reason why, it's not that people don't understand it, I don't think. What it is, it, there, there's a psychological uh, um, tethering to this. Because remember. You know, with the word tethering. Yeah, there's a, there's a psychological anchor. You know how a boat be, be in the ocean, you got an anchor to stay put. So, so people, people got their anchor attached to the concept that Kemet must mean black people. And, and not realizing that it was wrong all along. And now they can't let it go. And why they can't let it go is because they think that we're taking something away from them and not replacing it. And and so what's happening is they're, they're not trying to listen to us. So 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 they think that you're taking something away, but we're not. We're replacing it. So it's, it's not that the word means black people, but the word meaning uh, wetlands or a riparian land or riparian country actually confirms even in the even in the comparison with the languages it actually confirms the fact that the egyptian the egyptians were following the normal african way of naming their places 
this this Go way. way. How about that? Yeah, this man, boy. I don't know what you got. Some uh, you got that. Uh, I I muted for the for the noise. So um, so people just have to understand. So the reason why people don't want to accept it, they can't fight it. That's why they avoid it. Nobody addresses the top of them, and and the only people that even made an attempt to address the top of them was they didn't even know about eponym or eponymic toponyms where which is simply a place that's named after a person right right and the moment that in the moment that you break that down then it's over it's 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 done so so i mean even if you look at the walls though i mean when you look at the walls i mean the women weren't black even the 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 remitch they didn't depict themselves as black i mean you see the women in gold you see the women in white you see uh you see the men uh brown red so i mean they didn't depict themselves as black i mean if it was black why everything on the wall wasn't black coffee because you pseudo <laughs> i'm throwing questions out there i'm doing questions out there for the folks why i mean if you look on if you look on the wall you can see everybody wasn't black on the wall Everybody wasn't black. Again, the women were yellow, painted yellow. The women was painted white. The men was painted brown or a brownish red looking color. The people in Nubia was painted a dark skinned color than they were. Yeah, and there you go. So you, you hit on the head. That's that's and that's something I showed a, a few examples of where the Egyptians, the that's national what? just like just like what's the what's the what, what what's the national totem? What's the what's the clan war you guys right there, boy? What's Shut the up. What's the national totem of, of the United States? Animal. What's the what's the national animal totem for the United States of America? Eagle. The eagle. Eagle. Right. So so the eagle has been used as as a national symbol for the United States. Yeah. Okay. So so we know nations have flags that represent their their um their culture. They have uh, animals mascots animals yep. or whatever the case standards. is standards. The case is. these are these are um national standards so the um the the nation of kemet had as a national standard a visual artistic representation of of them and they chose a pigmentation to represent them and that pigment that pigment color was uh what people call tawny or reddish brown it's just that simple now there are that's 99.9 percent of the time there are some depictions of uh people that are black such as ahmos nefertari but when you actually read the text a matter of fact uh well I, you know I, I i let me see if i can show it real quick um because this is something that people use so let me see if i i have it handy to show you can read them texts like that man Uh, let me oh, show this. Okay, so I don't know if people can see my screen. So look, this is a picture of Ahmos Nefertari that people will try to invoke in their argument. But you have to remember that um, I can show you with thousands of pictures from from the earliest pictures all the way to the latest where where the standard color was a reddish brown. Now, the reason why she's painted black, uh, let me show you. This is her, Ahmos Nefertari. But let, me, let me show you another picture of her. This is her as well. This this is her being yellow. So 
either she laid out she laid out on the Nile beach or or somewhere over in Madagascar somewhere and and, and got a and got a serious tan or the fact that she's black in this picture means something totally different means something totally different all right look at um look at mental hotel Hey. Mentu Hotep is, uh, is depicted as uh yeah unk man you keep unmuting yourself and you all right Mentu Hotep is depicted as uh, a very dark statue but there's many other pictures of him where he's reddish brown so either he laid out on the beach over in Madagascar or somewhere all right here's him again. These are the various different depictions of Manchu or Mentu Hotep. All right. So even in the the very, very few cases where you can see the uh, Remage depicting themselves as black, it has a different uh, or different significant meaning uh, than what people are trying to identify with some kind of racial thing of today. So we all got to keep that all in mind. All right. So, um, that's that's that has just has to be understood that that there was a national color representation and remember the king is the highest representation of of the um the country and so when i show you these kings these kings and the and and how they're depicted just just look it up just google it yourself you know so yeah yeah egypt was very symbolic too man they had symbolic art bro like Come on, man. They wasn't looking for realism, even though they understood the human form. The Greeks used realism. Remember, remember, I was an artist, still am. And uh, in art class, that's the first thing we learned. We ain't learned as much as Wujia was teaching us about the, the type of art it was, but we, you know, we were just talking about how they, you know, wasn't into realism like that. That's what they did. That that wasn't a thing. But they, of course they could have, because they understood anatomy. Right. Yeah, they had they 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 use what what Africans uh, a lot of African communities use, which called aspective expression uh -huh. instead of instead of perspective. Aspective. Right. Aspective art versus perspective art, and that's something that people got. We did a whole show on that, so people got to really get up 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 on that. Yeah. Right. So 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 the same thing with the color, man. It, you know, they had rhyme and reasons for it. It wasn't like us. Oh, skin your skin out. Uh, that's what makes it so crazy. Like in America, you think. The black you are, the more black you are. That's not true. That's bananas. <laughs> but wait a minute. But check this out. What's the what's the um, let me see if you know. What is the color of the crown for upper Kemet? The color of the crown? <laughs> Shit. Man, I ain't the Egypt guy, remember? I don't know. What is it? All right, what's the what's the okay? Brown? Is it brown? No, no, no. Uh they, they, remember there's upper Kemet and lower Kemet. Oh, white, white, white. Yes. Yes. White. I'm about to say, Unk, man, come on. <laughs> come on, man. You shot shoot money, man. You cut that out, man. I'm <laughs> so, a real black atheist. We're not required to know that. <laughs> so, so, but, 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 no. Let's let's look at let's look at the let's look at that. So, so the crown that represents the man. Now, remember when we say upper Kemet, we're talking about elevation, but it's actually south. It's the it's the southern part of um of Kemet, where where people would would agree that that's where you get uh the more darker um communities that's what people will say so why would they represent their crown the crown of that region as white 
I mean, you know, everybody can go into the symbolism. See, when you ask that question, everybody will start going into the symbolism. Oh, well, white means X, Y, and Z, whatever the case is. And then the red crown of upper Kemet, I mean, excuse me, lower Kemet is uh, red. I already said red. So you have Desheret and Hedget. Those are the two colors, red and white. And then you have the blue crown, which is the war crown. So you have red, white, and blue uh, going on. And I don't know. If they found no crowns, right? The actual crowns? Yeah, they haven't actually found any crowns, huh? Nah, people people go to museums, you, you find uh, other regalia, but not the crowns. I want this interesting, huh? Very interesting. And you'll you'll find you'll find what's called the diadem, which is the metal the metal thing that went around the head of the uh, namus or namis. Mm -hmm. Um that type of uh which is a cloth type of covering, mm -hmm. head covering. Mm -hmm. Um that they use like the Uraeus the uh, vulture and the cobra mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. They find um, those diadems that went around the head, but not the crowns. Mm. What's going on, Sean? You still online starting trouble there, huh? Yeah, man, I'm trying to get Black World to write an article, man, so so he can. Who? Yeah. Black World what? The brother in the chat's name, Black World. He 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 wants to he wants to make Arabic um, an African language, huh? Oh, yeah, that's what he did, man. Hmm. Um, um, just a quick question. Uh, it's not a question, really. I was just saying that I'm um, seeing some. I guess, Give me that. What's good, sis? <laughs> hotel. Um, since the show's been going on for like four hours, and um, and I know that we kind of covered a lot of stuff. Um. That before you end, if you could just quickly summarize some of the points that that um that you made, you know, the explaining like just the common sense explanations, just like some of the those key points, just so um for the most people who might have just um probably forgotten by now. Okay, that's good, and then I'm and then I'm done. So so point number double one. Summary. Call it the double summary. Yeah. Okay. okay. So point number one. And uh, I'm a mute. I had to mute you real quick. So I'm gonna run down these points real quick. So, point number one, um, that there are two major hypotheses concerning the meaning of the word Kemet, the place name Kemet. All right. So at all times we're talking about the place name Kemet, the name of the Nile Valley Kingdom, the Nile Valley State, the Nile Valley Confederacy, or the Nile Valley. Um, empire or the Nile Valley, whatever you want to call it. We're talking about um, ancient Egypt uh, name, Kemet, the place name. So that's what we've always been talking about and, and dealing with. And so there's two hypotheses for the meaning of that. One is that the meaning of the word is referring to uh, the black land. And the hypothesis two is that it means black people that is talking about the skin color of the people now for hypothesis two the fact that it's a place name completely eliminates the hypothesis we don't even have to argue that okay why because place names never ever refer to or describe people they refer to or describe places that's why they're called toponyms toponyms from the greek word topos and onym which means place and name simple all right. So that knocks out hypothesis two right there. We, need, we don't even have to be technical. We don't have to get into linguistics. We don't have to get into anything. That's it. 
Now, hypothesis one, that it means black land. With that hypothesis, you first have to establish the fact that the root of the word Kemet, it, it, it means black. And that's what people failed to do. All the European scholars, every all the scholars, have failed to demonstrate that the, the root Kim in the word Kemet, in the place name Kemet, is actually the word for black. And so what Asar did was he showed, using the scientific uh, method, uh, the historical comparative method, and did a, a grammatical feature by feature showing that the root in the word Kemet deals with wetness and not the color okay that's number one then we come back into the language synchronically and we look at the determinatives of the word and all the determinatives and the variations for that top of them also point to water wetness not color all right and so the kim in the word kemet is not the one for black at all it's the one that points to wetness and so on both hypotheses one we had to deal with because of toponym and then two we can explain and that's what ha that's what happened so as a summary um what we were showing tonight is the fact that uh matter of fact let me see i think i know okay got up so just while i'm talking so um so tonight, what we just wanted to do was use common sense and just just throw some things out there. Just common sense. We don't have to give all into the linguistic stuff, even though we, we did touch on a few things like the feminine T. What does gender mean in any language? You know, gender of different language. You have masculine, feminine, neuter. Neuter doesn't exist in, in ancient Egyptian. You also have animate and inanimate. Those are gender features. Those are those are all of the grammatical category of gender. But what does gender do? The category of gender simply triggers the behavior of other words. That's it. So if a noun is masculine, then the other words that are going to be related to it and 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 uh, within the same sentence and stuff, it's, those are going to have to also be masculine. If it's feminine, the other words have to be feminine. That's it. It doesn't change the meaning of the word, whether it's masculine or feminine. You can have a feminine form of the word for snake, which is um, hafat, or you can have a masculine form of the word for snake, which is hafa'u. But both of those words mean snake. It doesn't mean that the snake is, is a female or male. It's simply that syntactically how it functions in a sentence. We just, we just label it masculine and feminine. These are just labels. I can call it heads or tails, like a coin. It doesn't matter. So that's something that we wanted to explain tonight. Um, and then the fact that. Um, what else was there? I mean, really, it's, it's really just that simple. There's really no, nothing to go really beyond that. And then another thing that was explained, cause because this feminine T, the T, 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 T was brought up so much. We wanted to show that um, what people are stuck on when they say feminine T, they don't realize that that bread loaf that we transliterate as a T really represents three different morphemes at one time. And we, and we call that technically, we call that a portmanteau morpheme or morph that represents three or more. Now that see that kind of gets a little technical, but people can understand it 
because in English, I show some English examples where we have the word teeth. The one word teeth actually represents two morphemes, the singular tooth and then the plural. But the way we write it, we don't write tooths with an S. We, we change the internal structure of those vowels from tooth to teeth. So the OO turns to EE. All right. And same thing with deer. If I want to say plural deer, that's also deer. Goose change to geese. You know, so these are words that have multiple morphemes that, that we don't visibly see in the spelling of the word. So so we have it in, even in English. Then what I demonstrated also, which is kind of on the technical side, but hopefully people can get it, is like a word like play. P-L-A-Y. That's a verb to play. That's an action. That's something you could do. Now, if I say player, that means somebody who does that action. A person who plays. Player. And if I want to talk about more than one, I say players. So that E-R on the word player or attached to the word play changes the verb to a noun or a substantive. Now, that's E-R. But if I, if I say small and smaller, that E-R is different than the E-R on the word player. Because that E-R on the word smaller is not the same thing. It doesn't change the word into a noun. It keeps it as an adjective. Small is an adjective. Smaller is an adjective. So we call that ER a comparative. The ER in player is called an agentive agent of the verb. So what that does, it, 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 it allows people to understand that although we see the same thing in the spelling of a word, it does not mean that it's the same thing going on in every word. So the so-called bread loaf that everybody is focusing on or seems to focus on is really three morphemes in one. And it's not just a feminine, uh, a feminine gender. It deals with gender, number and abstraction, a place of uh, uh, abstraction or place. And so that's what we showed. And we demonstrated all this. Asar proved those things uh, by using a comparative method. All right. So that's what that's what we've been showing. And that's what we've been showing. So that's pre pretty much um, a summary. And and like I um, before you forget, um, just the other two points that what was noted was the one with the determinatives. And in this case was um, the seated man, the seated woman and the and the um, three strokes. And um, we saw how um, if you know how using that and when somebody makes up a rule. And then you take that rule and you try to apply it across the board, then it fails. So that also, you know, that was one of the other common sense or logical um, thing that was going over. And then obviously the the next one was also the the fact that um, people on the continent have um, black skin and even some darker than the than the uh, than the rematch. So um, if the rematch were actually um, identifying themselves uh, or their country through their um, skin color then that would have to apply across the continent, which it did not. And we know that that's just stupid. And we can't say that the rematch were that stupid to actually use skin color when everybody around them were black and even blacker. 
Yeah, those are good points, excellent points. And 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 to to the one where you said the rule has to be uniform. In order for a rule to be a rule, it has to be uniformly applied. That's why you call it a rule. All right. Now, um, these people that are arguing against these points, they, <laughs> they even say that that uh, rules are rules and they want to invoke a rule. But then when when the rule goes against them, then all of a sudden they say rules are made to be broken. <laughs> and that's crazy. So so Emmy uh, Cat, what you were saying is if I apply the rule that is being used on this word that I'm showing on screen, then I will end up with elephant people as I show right here. And. And there's nowhere that the Egyptians described anybody as elephant people. And so, in other words, if I take the word that means elephant and just put two uh, man and woman in three strokes, then then. Well, let me go to their 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 um, reasoning. They're saying that this Kim means black. OK, so these first two glyphs in this bottom word right here, they say it means black. And so when you put a man and a woman behind it and these strokes right here. This word is now describing those people, black people. That's their rationale. OK. Um, now, there's no grammar rule that says that, but this is what they make up. OK, so that's their rationale. So now if we use that rationale right here for this place name, Abu, which means elephant. And we and we take the word that means elephant and we just place a man and woman three strokes. Then then they're saying this word is describing those people. So are they elephant people? Now, according to them and their logic, they would have to say yes. But they won't say yes because they realize how ridiculous it is. And so the same ridiculousness that they that they feel with this word is the same ridiculousness that we feel with the word black people, because it doesn't mean that. All right. Same thing with this one. Fish. So we have a word for fish. And then if I put three, a man and a woman in three strokes. Now, according to their logic, I'm supposed to say fish people like these people look like fish so it doesn't apply no matter how you slice and dice it is it does not apply ever toponyms never ever ever refer to people or describe people and these are the toponymic uh determinatives that people like to ignore all these determinatives are de are depicting locations places anytime you see a word with these determinatives on it at the end and determinatives come at the end of words it's talking about a location. It's just that simple. It's not talking about people. And when you see a and when you see a form like this, when you see a form like this, as I explained before, when you see a form like this, it's talking about people of this location, because it's a conversion of a toponym into what's called a demonym. Or in other words, it's it's converting a place name into the people. A name for the, describing the people's relationship to that place. So American, so Unc, you're, you, you live in America, and when you leave America, you can refer to yourself as an American. Mm -hmm. There's no need to refer to yourself as an American while you're in America unless you're talking to a foreigner. I'm American, yeah, you know. It's like, duh, like we're all American. But um, when you're talking to a foreigner uh, and they ask you, well, where are you from? Like, you, you, like you're from another country. Like, no, I'm American. You know, so you're identifying your relationship to to the location. And anyway, so that's that's that. And he, here's some actual toponyms. So the Nile Look, River. Before you do that, I want I want to tell everybody I'm out, right? Um, appreciate everybody came in. Emmy uh, Cat, Sean, all right, Kofi, appreciate y'all. 
Look, I'm out of here, man. All right. All right. I'm gonna wrap mine up at the end of the day. Right. It's okay. just dumb for a group of black people surrounded by all black people to call themselves black people. <laughs> all right, peace. So uh just real quick, I'm just showing these a uh, couple of uh this examples right here, and then we're done. Um remember that everybody refers to the um the culture as oh uh just remember that that people refer to the culture the egyptian culture as the nile valley culture nile valley civilization nile valley culture and we have to remember that um the nile is a river it's a body of water all right so when people are calling the, the Egyptian culture, the Nile Valley culture, they're calling it a water culture. So everything lines up and points to water, not color. And if they were going to use color or focus on color, then there's certain determinatives that are used. And the color black, the word for black and the color black in the Egyptian language comes from the object hair. Just like the color red in the language comes from the object of a flamingo. And in a lot of African languages, the colors were not just abstract colors pulled out of thin air. They were actually the same names of objects of that same particular color. All right. So we have black, we have red, uh, we have green and white. And then the other colors in the language um, were secondary. All right. So anyway, that's it. And uh, hopefully people can understand. And, you know, like I said, join the Amara Squad Facebook group. If you want to have similar conversations, uh, when you want to get details about the language and things like that, join our Facebook group, the Seshu Mani Matter Nature uh, Facebook group. And, um, and, you know, you can ask questions about the language. Join the class if you're interested in the class. Uh, let me put it back up the website so everybody will know where to go. SableUniversity.com. If you want to learn about the language, you can jump in at any time. And, um, and you know, we, we walk you through learning every step of the way the language. We have a beginner's level, and then we have a more advanced level dealing with the grammar, all the details of the grammar, things I talked about today, and a whole, whole lot more. You know, we got relational adjectives, uh, attributive adjectives, predicative adjectives, substantival adjectives prepositional adjective uh nisbis or uh relational adjectives all right we got all kinds of stuff adverbs um prepositions uh adverbial sentences adverbial clauses adjectival phrases substantival phrases all right nonverbal clauses nonverbal sentences verbal sentences verbal clauses all of that good stuff all right we walk it through all in and out talk about gender uh we'll talk about number all that good stuff but anyway, so with that, um, is anybody else on here that want to have anything to say? <laughs> Actually, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> everybody left. Uh, all right, so I want to say peace, and I appreciate everybody tuning in on the on the squad. This is a long, ended up being a long video, video. So appreciate anybody that will watch it to this end.